Guess what, Brooke? Should I ask? Have you heard that ProApps and Graphics have jumped on board this season as a sponsor? Really? They wrap race cars, right? Yeah, and also corporate vehicles too. Hang on, I'm checking out their website. Damn, these wraps are sexy. You should get your Formula Ford wrapped here. Already booked. For those in need of a new wrap on their car, ProApps is offering $200 off motorsport wraps if any listeners mention on the couch with Hooli. That's a pretty sweet deal for those with an open wheeler, tin top, prod sports, GT, and anything motorsports related, really. Sure is. Check out the show notes for further details on the Catch with Hooli fans. Today's special guest sponsor for this episode is North Shore Physio. Haven't you been going there for years? Sure have. Anthony and Stuart have me keep you race fit since I was a kid. What do they treat? They treat a range of injuries and use proven physiotherapy, Pilates, massage, exercise techniques in a holistic plan. What I love is they can help you develop a stronger, healthier body free from injury. I love the sound of the holistic approach. Where are they located again? They're actually in Crow's Nest, Sydney. I think I should give them a call. My knees are a total wreck. Head over to the show notes and you'll find all the details there. We would also like to thank our major sponsor, Thrifty Car Rental. If you're looking for a great deal on your next car rental for an upcoming trip, check out their website for the latest offers. You can find all the links in our show notes. I'm Dan Hawley Hollihan and welcome to my motorsports podcast up on the Couch with Hawley Season 2, which is more than just a motorsports podcast. My guests are from all sides of the track, eras and personalities. You will meet some who have spent their careers chasing the dream to those who have only just touched on it and went on to aspiring journeys. We learn their stories beyond the helmet. On today's episode, we've got Cody Mackay. This bloke is extremely entertaining. He's a privateer in the Aussie Racing Car Series and races on an extremely tight budget in an old Commodore that's done some miles. Cody runs a mechanic business called Radical Mechanical up in Newcastle and is very proud of the steel city that he lives in with his girlfriend, Ali. You'll hear some crazy stories in today's podcast, so let's not waste any more time from me and hear it from the man himself, Cody Mackay. Welcome to the podcast, Cody. Oh, thanks for having me, mate. Dude, where have you been recently? Well, mate, name a state, name a place, and I've probably been there. We just finished up the Aussie racing car season, so um, just got back from Sandown yep. last week, skidding around there, breaking cars, breaking hearts, and you know, making it all happen. You got to tell me about your um, your obviously your Aussie race cars. The deal there with Melbourne in Sandown. How did it all go the weekend? Well, to put it as nice as possible, shit house is probably the best way I could put it through. It was, mate, this freaking car. Like, well, this car's got a little bit of a backstory. So we, you yeah. could say we rescued this car, mm. and then we really didn't know much about it when we first started racing Aussie cars. And then we kind of realised how old and shagged it is after mm. our first race because yeah. we finally seen the log books and they dated back to Oran Park in like 2006 <laughs> and here we are lining up in 2020 or 2021 whatever year we're in yeah. in something that's like as old as the category itself <laughs> like then we learnt that all the cars aren't the same and all everything's going wrong with it and all yeah. that so this year obviously straight after COVID we, we hit it hard and we hit it good we said yep yeah, we're going all in uh, no doubt about it we're committed to the series we're committed to racing in it so let's just see what we can do with this car and then after a year we'll see where that kind of leaves us 
But we developed the car so much and we did so much work to it. I was spending every weekend and every night on it just to try and get it to keep up and then get it somewhat fast. So, we, you know, we came home ninth in the championship. We were pretty happy about in a 20-year-old car. Mm. But we realised at Sandown that it just had enough. We were pushing it so hard that things that shouldn't need replacing were breaking. You know, I think um, what was the first thing that broke? We've got a bit of a list. Hold on, I'll yeah. see if I got oh, it somewhere. Perfect. It's all good. We're yeah. on camera, so you can bring out a list. Yeah, that's it's it. A bit no, of action on camera. I, I, I don't write anything <laughs> down. I'm absolutely hopeless. Yeah, it was in qualifying, turning into turn six, the steering column snapped in half. Holy so shit! So going 200 k's an hour is sitting in the turns, you know, six, and we've all seen the accidents that have happened in there. And yeah, it just wouldn't turn. So I'm like, oh, this is a, this is a bit fun, you know. This yeah. is a new world experience to see what's going on here. Just kept it off the wall, managed to make a shaft up as best as possible, and beg borrow steel parts to get on the grid for race one. Race one, the gear shifter snapped in half, so we're locked in gear. So I was like, oh, bloody hell, this is. Yeah. I cracked it at that stage, and I was like, I, I don't know what we're doing. We finally got it back on track. We we're going good. We got it. We came from last. Got it back into the top ten again. And then the last race, we snapped the axle in the diff. You know, running I think ninth or something like that. Mm-hmm. So we come broke everything. Qualified shit house. Did the race shit house. Went to the back of the grid. When the car was running, we made 15, 16, 17 spots or whatever it was we got it up It was to. raining, wasn't it, down there too? Yeah. Oh, it was uh, rained in the morning, typical Melbourne mm. weather, you know, shit house. Um, pissing down rain. Aussie racing cars are usually always the track clearers, so we go out there and clear the track for the big boys, you know. It's yeah. just stupid where the smallest cars out there and usually <laughs> leave the most mess yeah. after all <laughs> our races. So, um, yeah, we went out there and I just, like, I don't know what clicked, but we just put this wet setup in the car yeah. and, man, it was a gun. I overtook four people on the inside going into turn six on the first lap. I made ten spots and I was like, I don't know. Like, I didn't think I was a good driver. I'm yeah. thinking, like, what have I done? And we, we went up and then we got caught in a, a kerfuffle and got turned around. So we came back to – I got my fact checker here. So she's – as I'm staring off camera, however you're listening, she's fact checking me for about 14, 15 from that race. So yeah. kept coming up and then – yeah, the poor little Carly with named her. It's just one thing after another. Like mm. just, you know, something to break and hold us back. It was easy to fix. We're back on track, but it ruined a race. So, mm. yeah, that's pretty much how our um, weekend went. Thanks for bringing it up. You know, it took me a week to get over it. You know, I'm going to talk about it. I don't know if I want to do this podcast anymore. I think I want to get out of here. I think it's good you got it out up front. Yeah. Yeah, now, now we can start. Now we can start. Oh, okay. oh my God. You were saying, though, about the podcast – each chassis is different or – because well, I don't know much about Aussie race cars. As you know, I'm just a Formula Ford guy. Yeah. So oh, yeah, we can't exp- tell, can we? No, no. So I don't know. Like Lockie's raced Formula Ford and Aussies. Yeah. So, so we – yes, they are the same in a sense. So we did all the upgrades we could on our car um, to make it as close to the new – I'm going to call them generations. No one really calls that. But I've really broken down into like three generations. So – I call your first generations like your your 39 Ford or your, your classic FJ Holden, which was mm. originally like Aussie legends, they call them. I think Phil Ward directly ripped off the name and yeah. everything <laughs> back there. He's a sneaky businessman. I love what he does. Yeah. <laughs> Is he still around? Yeah, he was racing at um, uh, Bathurst in 2020. 
He raced in Newcastle race in 2019. In the, in the series? I, in the series. So he – so his son, Brad and James, or Tony Quinn now owns the series. So Tony Quinn bought the series off the wards. Yep. Um, Brad Ward, the eldest son, runs the series for Tony. Mm-hmm. Um, so he takes care of that and he's obviously got his own other businesses and stuff he's sorting out. James, the other, the youngest son, who helped build the cars and race and all that type of stuff. There, he's since left through COVID and all that type of stuff, but it still is connected to the Ward family. But um, yeah, I raced against Phil, not really knowing who he is in Newcastle 2019, and at Bathurst at 2020 when we had the three races during the middle break for the 12 hour race. And mm. yeah, it's you've. He's definitely not the quickest like he was anymore. He is getting older and all that type of stuff. But, like, you'll see him screaming in the corners harder than anyone else has. Like, it's it's scary. Mm. And then kind of just roll out and twiddle out of him type thing. So yeah. you'll be going down the straight going, oh, yeah, he's, he's nothing to worry about and take off. And all of a sudden you've got this white Aussie car with Wardy in there <laughs> pushing you up the straight going, oh, shit, this is going to get interesting. <laughs> Frozen underneath you in a corner and then there's, like, backs out and goes, no, I'm not interested and then lets you guys run off. He he, he kind of just turns up when he wants to turn up. He's retired now. He does what he wants to do. Just kind of has fun with it. Yeah, exactly right. You know, the gentleman racer type scenario. He can race whenever he wants. He can not race if he doesn't want. He's done so much racing over his years. He he just does what he wants. So So you're a Newcastle born and bred, correct? Yes. Yeah. Proud Nova Castria, mate. Yeah, can't stand you Sydney scum down here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've noticed that all I've seen on your logos and stuff like that. But when you have you got a, like a family background? Have you got sisters? Yeah, brothers? yeah. So um, uh, one of three. Um, uh, so I got a younger brother, younger sister. Brother's involved in motorsport as well, but he um, say I went and becoming the mechanic route because I like working on the cars. He was more. Um, he's a sports journalist, so he works with Foxtel and. Yeah. papers and all that type of stuff and PR. He was down there at Sandown working with the Grove family um, doing their PR stuff and all that. Sister can't stand it, wants nothing to do with it. Don't blame her. <laughs> <laughs> it's expensive. This is an expensive hobby. Yeah, oh, mate. <laughs> don't even go into the cost of what it costs me. My accountant hates me, absolutely <laughs> hates me. But, yeah, well, but we got our love of it off, um, off my old man who's – look. We didn't have a heap of money growing up and all that type of stuff. We just did what we kind of could do, but it was mainly helping Dad working on cars and all that on the weekends and all that type of stuff, you know, glued to the TV every time V8 races were on. we go to every New South Wales round, the V8s, like because well, you know what it's mm. like. We've been talking heaps about it, what it was like in the 90s in the, and the 2000s. Yeah. It was just crazy. You know? It was the better than sliced bread, but mm. um, we didn't have any other way to get it. We were – you know, TV was very limited mm. of what you could get. You know, you've only got five channels of what you can watch it on. And if you wanted to see anything else, you'd like other support categories, you had to get there. Yeah. And yeah, people absolutely frothed on it. So, um, yeah, that's how we kind of, our motorsport start and kind of all car loving. Yeah. Start. So anything. your dad was he a mechanic as well? Was he? Or? He's a watchmaker. He's a watchmaker. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So mum and dad own a jewelry store together, but um, dad. Uh, Dad growing up was obviously around very blue-collar type areas. You know, he'd have cars deals always doing up. So we'll run him through the list of what, you know, what we used to fix up and all that type of stuff. And he had RX-7s and, and you know, 5-litre VP Commodores and all that type of stuff, you know, which weren't 
was just nothing back then, but, you know, now they're worth a bit of money. Hmm. But that's what we kind of, you know, his love of that kind of grew for that. You know, he helped us with go-karting when he kind of could, you know. Hmm. We weren't we weren't fortunate enough to be the typical motorsport family where we could go to go-kart weekends every, you know, every week. weekend. Yeah. yeah. It was a case of mate, if we got to the track, we should just be happy to be there type thing, you know, running around shagged tibby carts with, yeah, whatever engines were fitted to it. Me and my brother used to have to share it. Like mm. it, it was that case and, you know, he was working six days, seven days a week type thing. We just fitted in when we could. So what was your, so what was your actual first like motorsport experience though? Was it going to the, does it, do you remember like a certain experience though? I, I do remember quite vividly, like we were really, really young. So we're always in the, um, in the garage working on cars and all that type of stuff, you know, Holden family. So, you know, had that Holden for rivalry and all his mates to talk about cars and all that type of stuff. And I think I remember, I forget the year, it might have been 93, 4, 5, around that era. I remember brother flicking the TV on and going, oh, it's race cars. Like we would have been under five or something. And from memory, it was um, a Calder Park race meeting or something like that. Yeah, and, right. And we are watching that going, oh, my God, we didn't know, like, you know, cars race like this as far as fixing and racing on the streets yeah. and stuff like that. And then we kind of found out about it and Dad knew about it and going, oh, okay, and then we got addicted to it type thing and because you know, that's what you did back then. Yeah. And that's how kind of the bug started or how we went more serious with it and wanted to follow you know, what the race drivers are doing. And then obviously from there, you'd attend every meeting you can. Yeah. That had come to town and all that type of stuff. And then it just grew in the family that we got more more passionate about it. And, yeah, that's how we ended up today. Maybe I shouldn't have turned that TV on. I could have done something better, maybe more cost-effective. <laughs> a little ballerina, could I reckon. Have, I'm good on my toes. Could, yeah. have watched, could have watched Cheese TV or yeah, something. Yeah, well, that's it. Uh, and stuff back then. Yeah, like, yeah, that's it. We're always Cheese TV and all that type what's, of stuff. What's your favourite memory, though, of, like, the 90s and 80s? Because I love sharing that stuff, as you've seen. Oh, like, do you remember, like, a, it doesn't have to be motorsport at this point. Good question. I remember, I remember around that you'd hate it because you're like, oh, you know, this is a bit shit. Yeah. But then when you look back on it, you're like, oh, that was the best era. Like yeah. it's just everything was just, you know, simplified. It was, it, it was very simplified. It was very like you get your cartoons in the morning type thing, and you get your Simpsons at six o'clock on Channel Ten type thing. Like yeah. that was, and you just made up the middle of the day with whatever you can. You know, you might have had a Super Nintendo or something like that growing up. But it was all like riding push bikes in the bush and building jumps and all that type of stuff and then racing your mates. Me and my brother used to make racetracks so that our bikes could run around and all that. And it was a case of you didn't have anything else to procrastinate on. You couldn't suck yourself into a phone or something like that or on a computer mm. or, you know, even the experience of getting a movie from the movie shop, like a, a cassette. What are they called? Yeah, oh, yeah. Tape, tape, yeah VHS, there we go. Jeez, I'm showing my age. I'm starting to forget all these things. <laughs> But it used to be like, I know me and Ali will sit there on the lounge and flick through Netflix or whatever streaming service we've been sconned out of money for that month. Mm. And you just go, there's too much options. Like there's no consequence of making a bad option. Yeah. So you're just like, oh, I don't like it. We'll turn it off and we'll find something else. Where I remember like you used to go out and everything was an event. Like 
you know, picking up a movie from the movie shop, you know, you go down mm. the video hits and you flick through the sections, try and stay out of that back section. Up yeah. back there. <laughs> <laughs> you walk very slowly yeah. past that section. As, as a teenage kid, you're like, oh, what's in there? <laughs> but it was just like we remember getting in fights, picking a movie and stuff like that because it was such – if you got the wrong movie, it ruined the night and your nights were so valuable to you and you yeah. had your mates over and all that type of stuff. So it, you worked harder for it and everything you got was more of a treat. Yeah. That's probably, you know, coming back. That was the thing I miss about the 90s, you know. There's now we live in a world of no consequences type mm. thing. You can get out of anything. Back then it was everything, you know. Yeah, there's too much stuff now going on in this. Oh, we got too much. There's too much out there in general, you know. Oh, I think it's it's coincided with everything, you know. We know heaps of people. Why would you go to the footy when you can watch it at home in luxury on your big screen TV with beer in the fridge type thing, you know. Yeah. Other than the atmosphere and, and meeting the drivers and stuff like that or meeting the footy players, whatever we're talking about now. You know, people can tune in and tune out very quickly and just go back to whatever they're doing. So, yeah, good and bads. Yeah. What about for you, for your first go-kart, as you were talking about with your go-kart experience, sharing it with your brother? Yeah. Did you do any, like, high karts or anything before yeah. doing any of yeah, straight well, into the club stuff? Yeah, so we, we jumped into high karts as much as we possibly could because it's just more affordable. Like, you, Dad could take us down there for an afternoon. We go and beat the shit out of each other on and off the track. Yeah. This is typical brothers. <laughs> and then, like, take us home and we'd sit there and talk about it. And Dad would give us times. He'd time us with a stopwatch or something like that. So we felt like the professional race drivers and um, yeah. went from there. It was one Christmas. Uh, Dad bought me and my brother a tibby cart with a – I think it had a J engine on it. Yeah. And we were just like – you know, over the moon, fascinated about it. We used to run it down the Indy 800 track. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, down here in Sydney because it's just easier to get onto and stuff like that. And you know, yeah. I've down, never been there. It's I haven't been there for years. Yeah. But looking at the photos and stuff like that when it's not flooded by like 20 metres of water. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know. know. <laughs> but um, it's, it's actually a quite a nice little track. It hasn't changed its layout since I've been there. It's like a – Eight, nine, ten year old. I can't remember how old I was then. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's a cool little track. And dad used to push us around and swear and carry on and all that type of stuff. And you know, and that was in the Tibby Cup. Yeah, that was in the Tibby Cup. So he'd kind of jump in, do a session. I'd jump in, do a session, stuff like that. It was mainly practice stuff, like, yeah. you know, because that's all we could do. That's all we could afford. We were just kind of thankful hmm. of the opportunity of even being in a cart type thing. So um, we, we thought we were the next, you know, Ant and Senna, Michael Schumacher type thing or Peter Brock or yeah. Mark Scape who were idolising at the time. Yeah, and then obviously, you know, it, it dripped off a bit and then I really started getting back into it when I became an apprentice mechanic pretty much with my first paycheck. Yeah. I went straight out and said, because I've been thinking about it all these years, I said, that's it, I'm getting a go-kart again. I'm getting <laughs> back into karting and bought the biggest piece of shit AX6 from a fucking chonky used car salesman. It was like, if I meet him, oh, shit, he's kind of cop it. It's like, well, I didn't know better. I was just like so happy to get it and I'd run it around as best as possible and do little things to it. And yeah. just as, you know, money came in, I was getting paid like 300 bucks a week or something like that. Was a, a Did you, do you remember the characteristics between the two go-cars? Because you had the J and then the new, the one that you bought. Do you remember any characteristics Look, before driving? Like, because uh, you've got a mechanic background. I yeah, like, oh, they, share, they shared the same characteristics as old both pieces of shit. So um, <laughs> if anything, they have a lot more in common. You know, like 
I remember turning up and it'd have like 10-year-old Bridgestones on it or something like that. And you're like, it can't steer. And you're like, the guys would come over and go, I wonder why, mate. Like, you're literally <laughs> on skates. <laughs> but it, it was one thing, you know, I, I couldn't buy, so I had to learn. So yeah. you'd save up and buy a set of tyres and bolt them on, save up, do this, and then you kind of like scrap that cart and get into another one and drive that. And then, all right, all the front guys are running this, so you try and buy their second-hand ones and – save up and it was just trying to be as budget friendly as possible. Yeah. Like I wanted it to happen. I don't care what was going to happen. I was going to be erasing something. Yeah. And I wanted to be on track and I just had to make it happen. You know, every weekend, every week was dedicated towards it. Did you have any go-kart, local go-kart teams at Newcastle helping you out? Or um, did you just learn on your own with your, your dad? Yeah. Uh, I kind of took it on myself. Then, like since when I became apprentice and took my own car, you know, dad, dad dad knows how to fix cars and stuff like that. But I remember being in a national title once and I was changing axles out to a different thickness and he goes, why are you changing it? What's wrong with this axle? It looks straight. Yeah. You know, like just not understanding the car setup and stuff. You know, Doug Matheson and um, Dan Ferry mm-hmm. were two people that helped me out They because they grew up around it. Yeah. stuff, So you relied on them and became mates with them and they helped you out and all that type of stuff and – yeah, that were the two teams that I kind of ran with. Like, yeah. I couldn't afford to run with Top Gun. You know, I was nowhere yeah. near their level. I could probably scrounge some money up to get Troy to teach me once or twice, but it wasn't in the budget. I used to budget $500 a race weekend, mm. including tyres, chains, race entry fuel to get to the track and everything like that, and I just hoped to hell that I wouldn't have a mechanical or wouldn't have an accident, you know. Yeah, because you had no spares. Well, that's it. You, yeah. And the spares were literally like you were fishing out of the bin for a side pod or a bar or something like that, and you're like, I can fix that. Yeah. So you take it home, straighten it out, put it in, then throw it in your shitty trailer, box trailer, and do that. And that was the only way I could make it happen, you know. Yeah. It was, it was big borrow steel, just do what I wanted to do. And then obviously from there, did you look up to anyone in Newcastle Kart Club though? Um, like as a driver or not really? Like the ferries are a big part of that club. Yeah, they are. I think Dan still is a bit. Um, I still talk to Dan a bit. You know, we just don't talk about go-karting anymore. You know, mm. I did heaps of years in there. I think I looked up to anyone that was just beating me, <laughs> to yeah. be honest with you. You know, when you run first sometimes and you run fifth and then you run whatever you can at club meetings or state meetings and stuff like that. Pretty much everyone there that helped me in some way was, you know, beneficial. Yeah. Stuff like that. And I still keep in touch with them. Heaps type thing. So yeah. And do you still go back there though? I haven't been there in years. Yeah. Newcastle I, Cut Club. I haven't been there. Same thing. I haven't been there for a while. It's only half an hour away from me. I bought a go-kart. I actually bought my old um, state title car. You know, Ali's sitting there shaking her head. (laughs) (laughs) I had to to get a story. She said to hide half the shit I bought. That's actually awesome, though, that you found your own go-kart, old go-kart and bought it. Well, it was actually – I I was getting really desperate and stuff like that, but I wanted to keep going. And I found out something that would help me was I could keep my engines but lease or borrow a cart because mm. I there was no way in hell I could find five grand for a new chassis. Yeah. Like that chassis had to last me years. I was welding them up in between meetings. I remember going to a state meeting and thinking Griffith mm. and I couldn't realise why it wouldn't handle and it snapped the whole C channel off the right-hand front. Holy shit. Weird. And I couldn't figure it out and yeah. it's like loose and stuff like that. And I got underneath there and it was hanging off. Like it had one tack well left to go. <laughs> so I've gone, well, I've got no other choice. I had to strip it down, raced into town, beg, borrow and steal someone to weld it up for me. Yeah. They kind of just put it in place, welded it, 
went off. I think I finished like top 10 or something. Matt, like but did you figure that out in practice? Like the, that the yeah, so I was in like, because I got three-day meetings or something like that. Something yeah. stupid. And I drove like eight hours to be there. Like, and it was like such a fucking pain in the ass. Oh, Cody's go-kart days. Oh. Tragic. <laughs> <laughs> I tell him, and this is going to make me sound so shallow, but I was like, mate, if you were still in go-karts, I don't know if this would be a thing. Oh, <laughs> no, no, no. No, I, I had to buy the Aussie car to keep the relationship going. That's, you heard it here first, guys. I'm just doing it to save a relationship. But, um, yeah, so that's what you you kind of did. But um, the original go-kart, I think I thin- finished um, seventh in Tamworth or something like that in the X30 class because we yeah. were in X30s. And there was like 20, 25 people or something like that. And I like, I thought that was just like unreal. Like I thought I won the thing, you know. I would have finished sixth, but like someone overtook me on the last corner and stuff like that. Yeah. And that, that cart was an old haggard black diamond CRG that Ferry had for years. Yeah. And then, yeah, I kind of left it and all that type of stuff. And then we kind of – I started my own business, so I sold all the racing stuff and that and said I've got to really focus on the business here, so no racing. But, yeah, years later, he, um, I was talking to Ferry and said, oh, I want a go-kart because I, it's a lot cheaper to practice in a go-kart than what it is the Aussie car. The Aussie yeah. car is a pain in the ass if you, you take it out and cost you a heap of money. So you need something to kind of keep your skill set up and a go-kart is pretty similar to an Aussie car because they're so ragged and on the edge. And he goes, oh, I'll sell you one. And it comes with an old Rotax and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, cool, all right, no worries. Sweet. Went to his storage shed, he pulled it out and I said, I know this car. It still had my number 28 on it as well. He's like, oh, that's so good. He's like, well, because he wasn't doing anything. He just wanted to clear his stock and he's like, oh, you can have it. So I was like, yeah, mate. Sweet. I would just bought it for the sake of just hanging it on the wall type thing, you know, yeah. because it was, I wasn't really loyal to any brand in karting like most people was. I was just trying to get a car to mm. sit in and drive. And, yeah, so now I can say the one I used to use all the time, now I um. Now I own. Yeah. It's a lot worse state now than what it was back then. But, yeah, I was just kind of happy to have it. Yeah, and cleaned it up. You are a mechanic for Ford, weren't you, in your early days? Yeah, so I did my first apprenticeship at Ford. So I um, I remember being at school, I think it was about year 11 or so, in the HSC, HSC, high school, or yeah. whatever, the exams were coming up and I'm sweating because I didn't study for it and I'm no good at exams and I was like, this ain't going to work for me. Yeah, Mum said, all right, you can leave school but you've got to get a job because I just wanted to leave school because I hated school. Yeah, Couldn't stand school. Never never got anything out of it. But, um, yeah, when I uh, went into the council's office, I should say, and I said, I want out, and mm. they said, all right, what do you like? And I said, oh, I like cars. And they're like, all right, I'll get you a job with Ford across the road, like literally across the road from the school. Mm. And I was like, oh, but I like Holden, so I don't want to work on Ford. Yeah, I was going to ask that. <laughs> it, it actually worked really good because that was when the BA and the FG Falcon BF in, and they're the biggest pieces of shit known on the road. So I was busy. Like I always had a job, which is good. I was secure. But, but don't, like, and that's where I think I lost my love of like being a diehard Holden, Holden fan. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. I, I own Holdens, I love them, I drive them, I fix them and stuff like that. But once you become a mechanic, you realise that all cars are pieces of shit. It's just a varying <laughs> degree of what shit they kind of are. Yeah. So you, you learn to love, you know, cars equally and then you realise it's just a shell over a body like, yeah. that you're sitting in. You know, if someone said, can you drive a Ford tomorrow? I'd say, well, yeah, whatever, it doesn't worry me. It's a car, I'll yeah. drive it. You know, it's um, four wheels and a heap of fun, so. 
Yeah, and you've also worked for was it Ziggy's Hot Rods? Yeah, so, so the Hot Rods. You got to explain <laughs> yeah. to me about that. I, I, got, I got sacked from there actually. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Now Perfect. we have a story. Yeah, yeah. we have a story. <laughs> you said you were going to dig up all this shit. <laughs> I tell you what, on the record, my missus is here. Don't talk about ex girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Ali She's, gets off the cards. Yeah, really that's nice. it. I, I forgot to put that in the little pamphlet you sent out. What's off the card? Yeah. I was like, cut it, cut it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I I left Ford and I wanted to become. I'm a, a vehicle engineer because we're building, you know, hot rods and mini trucks and all that type of stuff with my mates and all that. Mm. And I wanted to be the one that certified them off to make it a hell of a lot easier for people to get on the road with their modified cars. And it's yeah. just, I love working on cars. I love the engineering around them. That's why I like working on my own race cars and stuff like that and understanding what they do. You know, I think it makes you a better driver as well. Mm. But, um, I started studying to be a mechanical engineer, I think, off my own back. So I was paying TAFE courses and all that type of stuff to try and do that. Then I realised I really needed that school school finishing degree that I was looking for because I was hopeless at maths and all that. Yeah. Still enjoyed it, but I, I did it just because I had to. But um, let off that, I left for and said I want to go get a job in the industry building cars and hot rods and stuff so I can get a better understanding. And, yeah, that was a bit of a – shit show of a, a thing you know like I remember oh, mate, I, I might as well say this because I haven't said it in years but it was, it was it's a lot bigger now and I think it's gone into something big yeah. but I remember like what, there was me and another panel beater there and something happened with him and he he, he was living in the the shed and it wasn't a workshop. It was a shed with an office. He was living in there? Yeah, he was living in there. And this is like, if you ever come on the podcast, this is quite nice. This is like the Shangri-La of sheds, you know. Yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's a, there's a, like I walked in downstairs and seeing like a per- Porsche 911, you know, Turbo S, <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, what is that thing? <laughs> you know, this was just like metal and scrap and shit everywhere. And, yeah, he'd, he'd literally in the office roll out a swag and stuff like that and sleep in there. Yeah. And then, like, I remember coming in one morning because there was no showers or anything like that. There was a, a shitter in there and, this, and a clothes washing machine. Yeah. And I remember always seeing, like, a crate and a heap of water around in the morning. Yeah. And he was washing himself with a bucket in the middle of the workshop. And I'm like, yeah, fuck oh, this. No yeah. <laughs> you're, and you're walking through it all day. It wasn't like he broomed it up and stuff like that. And I was like, is this? So you had to work through it. Yeah. Like, oh, you just work through yeah. it type thing. But I was so like young and green. It was my first job after leaving Ford. And I'm like, no, no, this is, you know, you got to work from the bottom and work your way up. I understood that and all that type of stuff. And then, yeah, it just got six months in. I just gone, I don't know what I want to do anymore. I don't want to do this engineering stuff. And no one's giving me a lead. No one's giving me help. I'm not, you know. So you weren't getting mentored at all? No. So I had, like, that's the one thing I've really learned is the power of mentors is the one reason I got to where I am now. If you can attach to gone to a guy, and I still get mentored now. I've still got business mentors. I've got sponsors mentors. I've got racing mentors. None teaching you. You're not paying them to teach or yeah. anything like that but they're just pushing you in the right direction or opening a door for you. Like that's all I say to people I need. Open the door, give me the introduction, I'll do the selling. Like yeah. that, that's what I want to do type thing. But, yeah, it was like six months and they weren't happy with me. I wasn't happy with them, you know. Everything was a bit foul. And, mm-hmm. and so I just said, bugger this, I'm, I want out. 
Did they yeah. have any cool restorations though before you left? Yeah, they, they had like a they had this thing called Warhorse, which was a Mustang, which they finished before I got there, which was, was pretty cool. I don't know, it's a Mustang, you know. Yeah, like uh, the, at this point, you're just like a mechanic, so you kind of kind of like, oh, it's cool, but yeah, at the same time it, working on them. That's it. You get a bit blasé to cars as well. The more you work around them all the time as well, and you know, you get people like froth on certain models of cars, and you just go, oh, yeah, it's, a, it's another thing with four wheels and a bonnet and an engine type thing. Who cares? How quick can it go? That's all I want to know. Yeah. Um, they had something. They were building an FJ. They, they were putting a V8 Holden in. They had a Carmen gear that was a full tube chassis and stuff like that. Like, it was cool stuff, but they were all pushed in the back, you know. They were waiting on people to pay them for it, and they weren't paying and all that type of stuff. And, you know, it was – Oh, so they weren't getting paid on their end, to, which was making your end cheap. Yeah, it was like now that I understand how to run a business and, mm. and what's involved in business, I could definitely – because, you know, coming from a big place, you're like, oh, you know, you roll up, do your thing, get your paycheck, piss off. You know, yeah. like that's what it is. But they, then when I got into the smaller stuff and, you know, I knew what it was like because mum and dad run their own business all their time, so I used to grow up in the business. But you, you kind of look back now and go, Fuck, like, I think they were literally scrimping a couple of dollars together just to pay us and, yeah, you know, just to get it all, all going. So, um, yeah, from there I actually went into aircrafts. Was, yeah, that's um, what I was going to say. Yeah. So how did that all happen? Yeah, this is my podcast, mate. Let me, <laughs> let me do the talking. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know when the chime in when oh, I'm ready, mate. That's perfect. <laughs> Brooke can just <laughs> tell me when to end this. Both of you is off. We're going to do this thing. It's now the Cody Ali, hour. do you want to hop on and yeah. host? <laughs> <laughs> no, she'll ask all those questions. So back then, like, you were talking to this girl. Who was that? <laughs> no, we were there. It's fine. Yeah. So back to the aircraft thing. It was more of a thing of I was still kind of interested in the engineering type of thing. Yeah. But I just kind of got a bit burnt out then as well. You know, I've been working. I'm in my early 20s and stuff like that. Had no direction, no course. You know, I wish I was a V8 supercar driver, but we had no means of making it happen. So I was just happy to do be a go-karter. Yeah. Topping, thinking on the next ant and center and all that type of stuff. But back um, when we were racing, it was very, very competitive though. Yeah. Like there was more carts than there were there, than there are now. Oh, exactly right. You know, off the side of that, I don't know where where karting's going at the moment. I'm, I'm keeping a finger on the pulse, but I'm also not uh, – my interest is in other areas, you know, following the Aussie cars and all that type of stuff. So um, – but I think, you know, COVID hurt that and they've had split-ups in categories and they're all fighting mm. with each other and all that type of stuff, you know. I need – you know, it's kind of like I'm reminding people that, this is go-karts, you know. Yeah. It should be that anyone can buy a cart and go racing tomorrow. And that's what it used to be like, you know. Yeah. You join a little team, you spend a little money, you go there. And now when you hear of like national titles for five rounds costing 50 to 100 grand and stuff like that of what they're spending, you're like, mate. Yeah, I think it's a bit ridiculous. It, it like, is. Like, like, it's nuts. If I had a kid and I was running it, like, don't get me wrong, I, I'm now in a position where if I did have a kid and what they wanted to follow the motorsport world, I hope they don't, become a ballerina or something like that or <laughs> become into acting or something's cheaper. Um, you know, you, know, you I, I buy them two chassis and stuff like that and I buy three engines and stuff, but it would be us working on it. It'd be us developing it, us training with it and trying to be smart with how we dedicate our time to it, you know. Mm. I'm happy to dedicate it because it's cheap for me. It doesn't cost me anything and I'm doing what I love doing. You know, it's not like I'm going, oh, I wish I was home or with my mates or at the pub or something like that. I want to be there. So yeah, that's fun. But you can definitely do it on a on a better level or a smarter level, the same way I learned of you, you know, this is the money you've got. How do you make it work? 
I remember smashing open a piggy bank one day just so I could go to a club meeting that weekend to try and find 200 bucks to buy tyres. Yeah. Like it was that tight with us. So you learn how to make it work. But um, I don't know what we were saying back to that's uh, a perfect, we got, oh, That's a perfect clip for YouTube, by the way. Yeah, you just there, said. there you go. <laughs> how many clips do you want? I'm just going to stay here and give you all the clips for YouTube that you can use for your promotion. Uh, where's the camera? Where's the sponsor who I need to talk to? Uh, but this is good for you, like promotion as well, for you coming on the podcast, so it's great. But yeah. what I was going to say as well is during COVID, you actually tagged me in a thing for Exhaust Notes Australia for writing. So did you get into writing to – Drive cars, like a review? Yeah. Um, look, uh, the exhaust note things has actually been very good in a sense. Um, it's that kind of, oh, this is going on, you know, meeting, what, shaking the baby, kissing the hands, was the other yeah. way around. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of just opening doors and stuff like that. So I actually, um, I can't remember the RAI competition, the Race Academy International yep. thing uh, that was going on. I think during the COVID and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I placed second in the first year and then I placed first in the next year. And mm. I think the drive was three production car meetings and stuff like that. But one of the guys there that was, because a part of it was seeing how marketable you are. And one of the guys there was Mark Holgate. He was helping run the day uh, for Trev the, that was putting oh, yeah. on there. He's a good bloke, Trev, eh? He is. Mate, Trev, um, we've got a... Like me and Trevor got a great relationship now. Like I was, um, I was his head mechanic at the the Bathurst Six Hour in his Commodore there, and we're like always talking, we're always talking shit to be honest with yeah. you. You know, <laughs> we're always at each other. But like he's great because you know he helps me, I help him. It, it goes around, and I don't mind doing that in the industry because I know how much I needed help when I was coming up and through. Um, I'm happy to give it to anyone that wants to kind of help me at the same time. Yeah. So Mark Holgate was there, and um. We kind of just talked and then I learned what he did and all that type of stuff. And he's like, oh, well, you know, I send people around to review cars and all that type of stuff. You know, it's a bit of writing and all that type of stuff. And I failed English like so many times. It wasn't funny. If anyway, <laughs> the truth's out, Ali's my proofreader. <laughs> she's my editor and she's like edits it, edits it before it goes to the editor because <laughs> I'm usually that bad in what I'm talking about. But I've definitely gotten better over the years, I feel. My first ones were shockers. Yeah. Stop laughing, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I help. Dan's an amazing writer here, but I'm his editor yeah, on all the blogs and stuff. It. You know, you've always got the background help. That yeah. Every, yeah. every writer has an editor. Yeah, so, so, yes. yeah. <laughs> so we're on the same page there, Cody. Yeah, but um, he um, that opened the door for me to do brand new car reviews mm. and. It, when you think about it, like, like, oh, well, you don't get anything for it, but you get the pleasure of being in new cars. And now he's like, oh, flying me around to um, review cars. So I went to Melbourne to do the new Ford Ranger the other day. No um, way. Yeah, so I spent two down, two days down there drinking wine, being an absolute pest, trying to wreck cars and all that type of stuff. <laughs> I, I don't even – I think when I, I caught up with him a couple of – the people that are running at the sand now, I think they nearly ran the other way. Like, <laughs> we don't want to deal with that looking pest again. <laughs> no, they were really good. We have one of them helping us clean the cars and stuff like that. Really? We wow. just got that relationship with them. But, yeah, that, that kind of helps in a sense, and this is what we're always kind of thinking. You can give your time, but it's going to help. You know, one thing we need to know, we need to be marketable. We need to be approachable. We need to be, I want to be racing for as long as possible. So what do we have to do to keep on the grid? Yeah. And these are all things because then people look at me and go, oh, you know, you're Cody, the race car driver, but you're in a mechanical workshop, but you do all these reviews and then you do this and do that. You know, we've got two or three other businesses we're kind of thinking of at the same time to try and expand my portfolio. And it all leads into, you know, it 
brings business into the the workshop or it gets your foot in the door in the racing world or it gives you accreditation. You know, when we, we went to, um, you know, we're members of the Royal Automobile Club of Australia down at Circular Quay. Awesome. And we went to their dinner. They usually hold a dinner every Friday. They call Fluid Fridays where just all the motorists of the club, you know, yep. do like beautiful rooms, like $100 million worth of um, building, you know, like seven floors, Parking and that this is probably the first ad that I've done yeah. for him. I'll, I'll send him an invoice later. But um, <laughs> but off that, you know, you could kind of walk in a room and say, "Hey, I'm Cody. Yeah. I'm not just Cody McKay, and I like cars. I'm Cody McKay, the mechanic, race driving, reviewing. Like I've surrounded my world about it to make it, you know, to make yourself, you know, in that situation that nicer. You want to talk to people about, and they want to talk to you. So yeah, that's what we like doing at Open Stores. So. With the reviews, do you remember though driving your first road car as a teenager to the cars that you're driving now? Yeah, um, my, like, my first like car going from like the shit up to like you know driving like a Lexus or something. Oh yeah, <laughs> man! Like even now, like my car's not brand new. I drive a 2004 Holden Crewman Ute, which all will drive with a V8. Yeah, you know? like and it's become a bit of a rarity and stuff like that. But it was like it's a bit I, of a gem though. I saw it outside. Yeah, mate, it's sort of. <laughs> Rip terror, man. I'll, I'll race you off the lights. I'll beat anyone, mate. The thing, like, <laughs> the thing's awesome. But, like, I tow the whole race team with it and all that type of stuff. And yeah, that's one thing, you know, I spend my money on race cars. If my car's good enough on the, you know, on the road, I can then spend more money on the race car type thing. But my first car was a HQ Belmont Ute. It wasn't a Kingswood. It was a Povo Pack Belmont three on the tree with a, 202 engine type thing, like drum brakes front and drum brakes rear, like had rust in it and all that type of stuff. I thought I was the best. I thought I was so cool with it. Um, and now like, you know, I think I sold it for like 500 bucks with like some other spares I'd knocked off from someone's front yard or something like that one night. Like, you know, I was driving past and he's kind of got a few guards out the front of him. He was washing his car, cleaning his car. I was like, I'll have them. They've got the pre- premier flutes in them and stuff like that. I was like, yep, straight in the back. I'll fix that, I'll fix that up. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it was like 500,000 bucks or something like that. You know, yeah. it's just a, hunk of shit type thing when you look at it but you know and that's it i buy and sell them so I'm like oh there's another hj kingswood which i had for many years and that was my baby you know put a four speed box in it um you know put massive wheels on it lower the guts out of it stereo and all that type of stuff and just learn how to fix your own car that way type thing yeah compared to them which we ever driven one they're nothing fantastic mm. well, if anyone's driven a hq holden race car like <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're just a boat oh, oh if anyone's out there and wants to give me a steer one of those hqs because i've had so many hqs and hjs ring me up <laughs> bring bring the dance request line or on the phones <laughs> the girls behind taking calls as we speak <laughs> i want to have a go i like, guess they look yeah. they look shit and fun at the same time <laughs> I, just want, I want to do it but um but yeah like and now we're you know we're still not owning brand new cars so yeah we're you know we just walked into um we're talking to another car manufacturer and they're like hey you borrow a car for a week and i'm like yeah man that's cool i'll do that that's not a problem and you're driving cars oh that's it. Uh, Lamborghino, Lamborghino, Lamborghini, mm. Huracan, Evo, Flu Capsule. Yeah. Like $600,000 worth of car. 
and they're flicking me the keys to go write a review on it. And that thing was <laughs> never not sideways for me. I think oh, I've got to sign up now. Oh, yeah, exactly, man. He'll probably get you into it. He wants reviewers, man. <laughs> like he's going to open his like an inbox like tomorrow when this thing comes out. goes, where are all these people coming from? Like, but like, don't get me wrong. He, he definitely gave me the crap to begin with. It was yeah. like you know, RAV4s and Passats and stuff like that. Not saying that they're bad cars. I shouldn't because then I'll lose the deal. Yeah. But – you know, I'm a racing person, yeah. so I want to drive racing spec like cars. Like a sports car type yeah. of thing. Yeah, exactly right. You know, when um, like one of the best I drove was a that I still rate probably better than the Lamborghini is a Hyundai i30N. Yeah, right. That thing is wicked. For 40 grand, it'll pop and crackle. There's race buttons everywhere. The manual gear sticks. It feels like a rear-wheel drive car. It's got that much grip in it. Man, this thing was never not in race mode. I used to the workshop from home is not a, a time that was like a minute and 50 seconds away from home. This thing would just light up from the driveway, screaming up to the workshop, pulling in there. It's not even hot. It wouldn't even let you rev the whole way out. The computer would block you out until it warmed up type thing, like all those. But, um, yeah, like so you get to drive like really cool cars like that and, um, yeah. and fresh them around and stuff. I've never had any accidents, which is um, good. <laughs> the insurance premium, I've still got to pay it if I prang them, so I'm really <laughs> not wanting to. But, you know, sometimes you get the good stuff that's just like, you know, a boy dream. I would never even think of being able to stand near a Lamborghini, let alone someone throwing me the keys and going, hey, we trust you to drive it because – you can drive type thing. Yeah. I don't know if I can drive or not. It'll let you guys be the judge of that. But um, <laughs> I can't rate myself well. I was always a kid at school. They're like, oh, rate your own performance. I was like, oh, man, five out of five out of five. Like, I am the best. Why aren't I teaching at this school? It's like an eight-year-old or something like that. So, I've had to uh, mellow down a bit. But, yeah. yeah so. That's cool. How do, you, how do you, like, obviously your branding, as I showed Brooke last night, yeah. is very colourful. Yeah. You know what I mean? very like retro yeah how did you get sponsors involved within you and the business for your yeah. car racing so um because you've come from nothing right yeah so that's an obvious question to ask you that that's the hardest thing you know i'm older i'm not a 21 year old i'm 34 i just turned 34 i know this year i forget but i just turned 34 so i'm an older guy so people look at you going oh well you should have had your crack at v8s and stuff like that because everyone understands the theory of like oh if you're good a team will pick you up and then if you're good and a team will pick you up. It doesn't work like that mm. in motorsport. Bring cash, race car. Yeah. That's it. It's a business. <laughs> this is a businessman's game. This is how it is. If you don't like it, find another sport. You know, yeah. No one's going to change the system unless they're going to bring their own millions of dollars into it. And even the millionaires in the industry aren't going to do it that much. You know, yeah. so, so off that, knowing what we had to do to just be on the grid, so that was the major thing. We had to – I always liked this tropical vintage type flair. That's just who I am. That's how I grew up type thing. You know, I love the pinks and the neons and the purples and all that type of stuff. So when we came out for our first race, we said we want to be the best-looking car on the grid. We yep. want to be out there really looking – really lively and when you look at all the cars and the grids well, sorry guys i'm gonna be i'm gonna be firm here they look boring man you know like uh, two <laughs> colors splashed up the side that look like blocks who cares like there's never been a graphic design artist in any motorsport category i've seen yeah. for years like, yeah don't get me wrong like, you look around the studio and stuff like that and there's influential colors and, and beautiful things are out there and stuff like that but you know like 
look at Senna's Marlboro car. Like, it's a beautiful car. We all froth over it. Yeah. But it's red it's and white. It's actually on the desk there. Yeah, well, there you go. It's yeah. Yeah. That's why the, you know, there's Dayglow orange, faded orange with white. It's just two colours. This is their branding on it. Yeah, it looks great. It's It relives the moments. But put it on the grid now and people go, oh, so what? You know, it's... There's yeah. nothing special about it. So we really went out and said, if people are going to look at us, we need to, like, force them to look at us. We could be running 25th out of 24 cars. We're having that bad of a meeting. Yeah. And people are still going, wow, who's that? What's that car? Why does that look so pretty? Why is that doing that? And it really, like, it shows. We were walking around today talking to someone that was, a, you know, in the middle of the CBD. Mm. And he goes, I recognise your logos and your colours. I was at the Bathurst 12 hour. I seen your car there. And I was like, mate, I've never met you, never seen you, never known mm. anything. The brand is starting to carry on into that. And we, we don't, don't get me wrong. Like, if a major sponsor comes on board and they put through that, no, we, we've got our branding, we've got our, our color schemes and everything, which, you know, sponsors and businesses are very, very strict on how they want to be shown. If they come through and say, we want it like this, they go, okay, we do the deal for the major major sponsor, you are the major, you get the choice of the cars. But a lot of them came back and said, mate, your car stands out like dog's balls out there. It's so bright and loud. You could be running last and still, people still looking at you. Just put our sticker on the car. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, done. Yeah. It's easy. So um, going into the new year, you know, we finish this season, we don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I don't, we are just talking about how we still keep some tropical vibes and stuff like that because we've made it our brand. Yeah into the car, but like at the same thing, I'm a business owner as well. I know what goes through and how you've got to market yourself and what you've got to do. Mm. We've got to respect them because at the end of the day, they're helping pay the bills. So, yeah. So. You were talking about Race Academy International. Did you ever try Aussie Driver Search or did you skip yes, that whole thing? Yes, I oh, did. perfect. Yes, perfect. all right. Let's start right, digging cool. up what's going on. <laughs> Let's start digging deep. Oh, mate. So I think everyone in the categories had a go at Race Academy and stuff like that. Yeah. I'll tell you what, before we get started talking about it, like mm. I got to give it to, I think it was Kyle. Kyle Austin, yeah. Kyle Austin. He gave it a good go. He gave it a really good go. And if we look, I've looked at the business model and I've said, you know, oh, we could kind of copy this and I've talked to Trevor RAI about it and all that type of stuff. His business model was perfect. Yeah, I agree. He, he <clears throat> ran a business and races were lining up to spend money with him. Oh, yeah. His biggest downfall is he got too big too quickly. I totally agree. Yeah. I've been trying to say this for ages. And I'll sit here and I'll say it on the record. I haven't talked to Kyle since I had a go at this first ever one. Actually, I had a go when it was the Pulsar search. Yeah, okay. That's when So I, the original. You yeah, were at the original one. The original ones. Yeah, so the, the was, Ridgy Dig. Um, yeah, okay. You this know, is actually good info. Yeah, so I was a part of that because I was like in carts and I was like, oh, mate, imagine if you're allowed to race cars and someone, you know, yeah. paid for it. So I scrounged up. I think I scrounged up like $1,000 was the entry fee or something like that, yep. you know, to get in. And I, I did the first one was actually down a track day on the skid pan in uh, SM, yes. SMSP, SMP. Yeah, Eastern Creek. I was like, I can't even pronounce it right. It was Eastern Creek. Yeah, I got through the selection then, but it was the case of like, oh, okay, we want you to come to the next one and get on the track, um, see how you go. I'll – put up another $1,000 or something like that, which when you think about it in motorsport terms, it's nothing. Like, yeah. yeah. But back then, you know, when I'm the kid that was smashing piggy banks to put tyres on the go-kart, I was like, well, you know, I'll scrounge up everything to have a go. This is the closest shot I might get to being a race car driver. It might open doors. Well, didn't know what I was going to expect of it. Ran the second one and I think it did 
all right. I think it came seventh. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever ran Wakefield before. I'd yeah. never been in the car. I was just – and he – it was Kyle sitting in the structures, stuff like that. There was a couple of cars that blew engines up or something like that. Like, yeah. You know, what's going on? And then it was just kind of a case of I think you need to bring like two grand to the last meet. And it was just – Again, it's a money game. That that was a month, nearly a month's wage mm. for me. You know, when you're getting paid 600 bucks a week as being a full-time mechanic. Yeah. And, you know, that's what you've kind of got to bring up. I wasn't going to ask my parents for a loan to give it a go when you're running seventh. If I was winning it, maybe. But, you know, you, you kind of learnt that you didn't want to be – it was a big thing. You'd rather spend that money back on your go-kart and stuff like that mm. and kind of left it at that. But, yeah, and, but I definitely did watch it with, um you know, interested eyes as it kind of grew and grew and grew. And I was like, wow, I wish I could do that. But – you ran it as a race team. You know, yeah. you know there was always opportunities. So $1,000 to some people isn't a lot of money. You know, or I know if I could spend that now to put my kid, kid through something, mm. it's a set of tyres on a car. It's not even that, you know. So for him to have a go, what's that going to mean yeah. to you? At least pull the experience out of it. But for the other people, you know, like me that just couldn't afford it, I just did as much as I could and – yeah, and sat back in my corner when it wasn't needed. See, for me, I think with Aussie Driver Search, where you said they got too big too quickly, they should have stayed at eighty sixes and yep. preferably just had one supercar yep. in Super Three or Kumo Series. I don't, I don't, it, they didn't need to buy the Audi. To I don't, be I don't even think he needed the supercar. Yeah, he had, he had people lining up and giving him money like, yeah. to do that. People are lining up to get into eighty sixes at the moment. People are lining up to get into Aussie cars. People want to be in there. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Well, that's right. He used the Aussie race car as the yeah. They used the Aussie race cars, yeah. but then when he started, like you know, bought the R eight and bought the Super Three and all that type of stuff. And the thing is, as we've learnt with race cars, even our Aussie car, you know, we bought that thing for like twenty grand. It had an air cooled twelve hundred cc with no compression in it that we didn't know any better. It had shocks in it from. 10 years ago that we didn't know any better. You know, we pretty much slapped a sticker kit on it and just got it out there as, as best we could. Mm. But now when we look back at, like, the money we spent this year on just developing that car to keep up, oh, I should have bought two brand-new cars off the lot, you know, like <laughs> it, what you kind of think about it. Yeah. So when he's going out and buying an old, you know, an old whatever, and then they have to dump another hundred grand into it, where's the hundred grand coming from? Yeah. You know, you're only running two or three competitions and then running the race team. The profits aren't that high in running a race team at a national level. Like mm-hmm. if you can, you know, put on the whole thing and, you know, pull anywhere between three to five grand, even at an 86 level per car, mm. you've had a win. Yeah. You know, and then you've got to put up with the fights of who pays for the damage bill type thing. So um, obviously there's a lot of people that make a lot more money in different categories, but, mm. you know, it's not cheap to run – where we are by the time you put all your money into it, there's not a lot left over for the owner at the end of the day. So Yeah. We were talking behind when we were coming to the studio about your legend cars experience with Scotty Morgan. Was it with Scotty or, or, or Lachlan? <laughs> Good Morgan, Scotty yeah. Morgan. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. my old mechanic, so I want to actually know a bit of intel yeah, on him. Yeah, we know. Was- Someone knocked him off. Oh, this. We get it. You're bitter, you're sour. What else do you want to do? <laughs> he was actually a mechanic on one of my Aussie car races as well. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, going back, I rang um, oh, Lockie, who was – started he's got a few businesses small businesses on the go to, yeah he's quite good for his age with all that type of coaching and all that man he's where i wish i was back then you know mm. like he's his head switched on mm. he, he's going to be the one that's if anyone deserves to be in a, a high spot it's him 
all the other kids coming up, they couldn't fucking scratch their ass with, you know, to yeah. save their life type thing. They're kind of waiting for that person to pick them up and go, oh, you're really good. I'm going to give you money to get to the top level. Bullshit. Start a business, get a job. That's the only way you're going to make it in motorsport. He he goes and does it. So he doesn't just take the money. He actually works for them and Mm. brokers deals and runs stuff off the side. So um, I don't want to talk about him too much because I'm sick of looking at him all season, to be honest. (laughs) He's probably sitting there going, yes. Yes, yes. (laughs) Lachlan, go stuff yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so how was your Legend Cars experience anyway? Yeah, that was. That was through his car, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's it. So he um, – I it was the COVID time and they just started coming back on. I couldn't run the Aussie car because there was nothing going on. So yeah. I think you even hit me up for to see if I, there was a Formula Ford thing as well, didn't you, at yeah. the time? You're struggling to get – you just want to get on, tra- on oh, track. Oh, well, that's it. I wanted to drive something. Um, so, you know, Formula Ford was like, okay, well, that's something, you know, drive yeah. it and get, and get your head out because we're all through that COVID. We're sitting there racing simulators. Yeah. Simulators suck, man. Oh, I told Brooke that. I cannot stand that stuff. Oh, Dan loves a good simulator. No, I'm never buying one ever. He oh. came out of his last session and chucked a massive tantrum. Yeah. But I, I don't blame you. I It's not the same as sport. I said to Dan, it's like me sitting there and having to do fight sports or something on it. Oh. A game's a game. It's not the real thing. No, no way no way in hell. Like, uh, this is one thing everyone says, oh, it's 90%. It's a... Uh, it's ninety five percent bullshit. It's sixty percent at the best. Yeah. No, in no session you've done on the simulator have you had to manage, you know, uh, engine that's misfiring. Have you had to develop the noise that you've got to race around? Have you, you know, clipped off a little bit of the front splitter so it's affecting your aero in a weird way so you learn to drive around it? Mm. It's literally like, oh, yeah, your tyre's blown. Okay, we'll, we'll engineer that into the game and all that type of stuff. Yeah. You know, which I became a fiend with it because I had nothing better to do through COVID. Mm. But it's like I think I did before Sandown, before the first time I went there and before the bend, I did about an hour on it just practising laps and just learning which way the track went. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm done. No, yeah. I'm if from here on I'm developing bad habits. Yeah. And those bad habits are really gonna reflect poorly on me when I go out to the track. The only way you're gonna learn from there is go out for a practice session. You'll learn more in one practice session than yeah. anything else. So um but don't get me wrong, like I I, I sit here and shit on simulators. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's you know, I, I only because of what I'm racing and what I'm doing. Yeah. But for the person, and I'm a massive fan of grassroots motorsport, make motorsport affordable so the general punter can go out there and race. Simulators are a great avenue for that. Yeah, I but agree with that. They give you a competitive edge. People you can race with, a great community. It's low cost. Like my simulator is probably what a thousand bucks. I bought the computer off a junkie out on the on Gumtree. You know, <laughs> I, I like it's literally. I, I went up to the front door of this share house and was like, "Oh yeah, I was like, oh, I'm here for that." $400 computer or something like that. First thing, oh, well, yeah, all right, yeah, no worries, and gave it to me, cigarette butts in the bottom of it and all that type of shit. <laughs> I, I couldn't even bring it in. I, I had it to. Stunk. Yeah, it stunk. Yeah, it stunk so bad. Really? So we've oh, got it. car air fresheners in it, so it stops smelling. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's it. Really? Does it still smell? I'd no, be it's better now. <laughs> I, I had to leave it on the balcony for a week. Like, I actually took it to the workshop, blew all the shit and dust out of it, so I was like, oh, okay, this will kind of work it'll play iRacing that's good enough for me still kicking yeah. it's still going guys yeah, come down and see the museum relic from the junkies house but um, <laughs> I, I went there and the fan would kick on and 
I, I don't know what the smell was in it. I took every component of the part, <laughs> put it back together, blew it all out with a compressor, did that. I just went down to like the local parts store and just bought like 20 air fresheners and stuck them inside the computer. <laughs> <laughs> this probably goes back to me trying to save money. And, you know, were they like the time. ones in the car though? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they the, were. The little trees. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly <laughs> so good. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll have 20 black ice, thanks. Because <laughs> Ali was working from home as well and I'd stick the simulator next to a desk when they went working from uh, yeah. Hey, get that thing out of here. It stinks. I feel, like, I feel like I'm in the back of a pub. It's like, yeah, but it's cheap, man. It's cheap. <laughs> this is my racing so career. You're stopping here. So, yeah, um, I forgot what I was talking about before. Anyways, yeah. But, yeah, like still like simulators and stuff like that can give, um, you know, a, a thrill. Oh, yeah. Thrill, thrill. However yeah. It uh, a thrilling experience for someone that can't afford to be on track. You know, for a thousand to two thousand dollars setup cost, let's call it that. If you're pretty savvy on the old buying things, mm. you can be on track. You can be on iRacing. It costs you what fifteen bucks a month. That is nothing. Mm. My race entries cost me thirty grand a year. Like yeah. when you kind of put it on comparison of that, you have, like bang for buck. You mm. know what you pick. You know, even like hill climbs and like club day karting and stuff like that. You know, yeah. you can get away with less than five grand a year. Did you ever do motor karters or stuff like that? Because Jess brought that up in another episode. Yeah, I've started actually doing it now. Um, so we've got a local club, the MG Car Club, that's about half an hour away from Newcastle, up in Raymond Terrace there, and they've got their own hill climb track. And the hill climb track's an absolute ball terror. Yeah. Like it is crazy. I, I went up there and stuff. We always knew about it, and they did an expansion to it. I went, this is crazy. I've got to get on there just for the sake of it. I bought a $350 Forester off Trev. Yeah. yeah. I think it was his granddad's or something like that. <laughs> and just like got it up in the air, did a service to it, like put some like standard brakes into it and stuff like that and went up there and ripped teared around there. Yeah. I think I was like, I was actually quick as well for what it was. <laughs> like launching it off the line, the barrel. I'll have to find you a photo. I've got uh, it up on like two wheels going around a corner and stuff like that. Just yeah. like ragging it because it didn't owe me anything. I just, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, did that. And um, it's now like got coilovers and race seats and like search tanks and all that type did of stuff. Did you give Trev the data from the motor car there? Like this is what the car can do? Oh, I sent him a photo and said, what do you think of this? And he's like, oh, you dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was like – that, that's that's good because, um, yeah, I've started doing the little hill climbs and stuff like that because it's still a way of doing racing. The track's close by to home in Newcastle. It's a secret. Mm. And you can just go out there with whatever car. You can buy a $300 car, cost you 70 bucks for a day running, yeah. get six to eight sessions running around the track, belting the shit out of a car, and then go home. Yeah, no maintenance, no setup, no cost. The only thing I did was lower the tires and pull the spare wheel out the back when I wanted to go two tenths quicker. You know, like yeah, started getting serious and I was looking around for. I didn't even bring tools with me. I just went up there and run it because if I wrote the car off, I was going to donate it to the club. You know, yeah. That's, uh, what year did you start Radical Mechanical? Because um, we were talking about like your your work work experience leading up to this. Yeah, so how did that all happen? Um, so Radical Mechanical was originally named After Hours Mechanical. And yeah. After Hours Mechanical started when I was managing someone else's workshop and looking at everything. Like I did well in the first two, three years there. I remember looking at their figures for the first year and I think they were turning over like three or $400,000, mm. which is you know, pretty pitiful for a big workshop. And then with the work I did and the people I brought in and all that, I got it up to about uh, $750,000 worth of turnover. So we really pumped it up from what I compared the figures at. 
Yeah, they then suggested they want to sell the business. I couldn't afford to buy the business. Um, I was looking at other workshops in the meantime to try and buy them to see what I could do and because yeah. um, I wanted to go out on my own. I wanted to, I was sick of working for other people and being told what to do and I always thought I could do it better. So I went, stuff it. I'm going to do it myself. So, um, yeah, it kind of fell over when he was selling the business. He, I think he kind of said he was going to sell the business with me, but they mm. already had their own manager, so they were like, well, that's a waste of time. So I just went and was going, bugger it. I think I got a $3,000 tax return that year for some reason. I don't know what it claims, but I got it. Yeah. The ATO's listening. I'm not really here. <laughs> <laughs> this, is a, this is a different Cody Mackay. <laughs> um, I literally went to my old man and stole an old toolbox back off him, dumped yep. my tools into the back of my ute. That was the ute, the yeah. crewman I drove in. That was the car that started my business. Yep. And literally just said, bugger it, I'm going to become a mobile mechanic. Yeah. Um, because the after hours side oh, So it was a mobile it. mechanic first? Yeah. Okay. So the after hours was because I was working, if I backtrack a bit, I would go after work. So I'd take messages during the day and say, all right, after work, I'll come and service your car. Or on the Saturday, Sunday, I'll service your car. Like and me and Ali talked about it and said, this is the only way I'm going to be able to do it. So I need to dedicate everything to it. Um, the old boss find out he got the shits, but he was selling the business anyways. I was like, <laughs> oh, whatever. Um, yeah, we just we see each other well, and um, and then I was just it was just to work hard to bring customers in, like just every day, every night, just whenever, like middle of the night, I'd take the call. Yep, all right, you're broken down. I'll come see you. Where are you around? Like your, a, your own personal NRMA service. Yeah, way. I was you just traded that. I was just trying to trying to do something. It didn't matter what it was. Mm-hmm. Like I was servicing, what was it? Oh, cricket pitch rollers. I never I never <laughs> been to a cricket game in my life and here I am servicing the pitch rollers for the local clubs and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, and then then I get another cricket pitch roll because another club had heard that I know how to fix them. I was like, I don't know how to fix them. I've never done hydraulics. <laughs> I just know how to spin a filter on an engine. Like yeah. don't ask me to like, adjust the wow. tapas on it. I'll just – it just – had yeah. to do it. So, you know, I was trying to do everything because I was like, we need money coming into the business. So I don't care what it is. Like I remember one night, like, Ali probably remembers just as clearly as me, I think it was like 8.30, 9 o'clock at night and Ali made dinner all night. She slapped it on the table and I kept my phone next to me at all times and it started ringing with a random number and I've just I've looked at her, she's looked at me. She's starting to get the shits with it because she wants to see me. Yeah. Uh, we've just moved into our first apartment and she's gone, just just take the call. And I was like, all right. Oh, yeah. Hey, mate, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just come up from Sydney, car's broken down, abundance car park and all that type of shit. And I was like, mate, can you just give me 15 minutes to finish dinner? Yeah. Like, and, and kiss the girl goodbye. And then I was gone for like two or three hours, came back at like midnight or something like that. Like the many nights I'd sit there till – I remember you being in the workshop with me when we finally kind of upgraded to a little she work for shop mm. till three o'clock in the morning, you know, because someone's clutch blew up. It's a 10-hour job. All right, well, we might as well try and do it in nine and try and set a new world record so you can go to work the next day. <laughs> that's, that's just what you yeah. had to do because no one was paying me. Yeah. So you just had to beg, borrow, steal and make it work. And mm. from there you met people, you met people, and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll get a little workshop and like subleased a shop. That's probably an interesting story about how I got my stuff knocked off. Am I allowed to talk about it? Oh, you because it went to court. No, it didn't go to court. Oh, it went to court. We Don't to... be dramatic. Okay. Well, it is. <laughs> this is a podcast. I'm trying to be dramatic. <laughs> it, was, it was settled outside of court. 
There we go. See, are we, we starting to be a lawyer? Yeah. yeah, we did. <laughs> Fuck him. <laughs> but Ali, Ali is obviously your PA or like the, the secretary. Uh, she's the one that gets me out of shit, to be honest with her. Yeah. <laughs> so you look after the books, Ali, yeah? No. no. You don't? No, okay, I'm, so I'm, Cody does it all. No, he hires someone qualified to look after the yeah. books. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, well, the business now operates. So the business is now called Radical Mechanical and we moved into a site two years ago um, in the middle of, yeah, middle of COVID, we took a punt on a five by five lease for a like major mechanical workshop in the middle of the CBD of Newcastle. Like, yeah, mate, you ever seen someone sweat? You should have seen me around then. <laughs> um, uh, taking a punt on there, but from there, you know, we've grown from me and a little my Ute, and then did whatever to do. So we've got four mechanics on the floor, mm-hmm. um, a manager at the front. Um, separate bookkeeper. We've got our um, accounts and everything like that sorted separately. Everyone's got a job. My job is now to run the business, run the race team. Yeah. You know, there's a lot in running the race team in sponsors acquisition and also developing the car. So I take that all on myself. And then then I've got to make sure that the business is operational and, and profiting. So, yeah, we have to bring money in. We have to make it profitable, but we have to help people and we have to make sure that we're running a really good business um, because that's my livelihood. Yeah. You know, Racing is one thing, as we've seen with COVID, that can be taken away instantly. Yep. So I never wanted to make a business relying on that because how many, you know, how many race teams nearly went broke? Oh, you know? heaps. Like, yeah. Well, one of them did. 23 Red did over, yeah. over COVID. That's it. Um, who was um, before it became grow? No, that's the Kelly oh, one. Uh, Penrite, the original Penrite before it went to. Oh, Erebus. Erebus. Erebus, yeah, you're yeah, right. Erebus were doing car servicing. They were yeah. trying to get people into just doing a general oil and filter change. Yeah. We're awesome. We profited through COVID. We've got a secure product that can outstand a pandemic as long as the rules yeah. in whatever state we're in will allow us. But, you know, we we were laughing, you know. We actually, you know, survived. Well, mm. like, there's no doubt about it. It was boring as batshit. Yeah. But everyone had a job. Everyone's cars needed to be fixed. We were there to fix it. And we did it. So, yeah. yeah so um, that's how it kind of runs now from there. Yeah. What do you think about, obviously – what kind of like egged you onto race Aussie race cars from what I remember was the Newcastle track, the street track. Was the, You really wanted to race in your hometown. Yeah. And to get that kicked off, you had to work your ass off and get sponsors to race that event. Oh, shit, man. Just like, to race in front of your home crowd. Man, like, that, and that's it. Like, I remember sitting there, the business had finally, we'll still run a mobile, but I had a little workshop that I could do bigger jobs in. So I'd do mobile all day. And then go back to the workshop and do the bigger jobs. So, you know, still work until 11 o'clock at night. Um, and it was this 2018, I think, the the round, the supercar round in Newcastle just finished there. And I took Ali out to breakfast one Sunday or Monday or something like that. Mm. And we're sitting there in the cafe and I looked at her and said, you know, I think um, it was time for me to get back into racing because yeah. I shut everything for about three years. I did not do any racing yeah, at right. all. I just helped people out or went and, you know, oh, you need a mechanic there or yeah. sometimes you get lucky and your mates let you run their cart for, for yeah. nothing or something like that. That's what it was. You know, it was pretty much, you know, watching on TV. But I was still like the, the flame was there. Like it was, yeah. it was more of a case of put it on pause and you can do it better later. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I was sitting there at breakfast and I looked at Ali and says, we had about a year to, year out from it. I go, I want to get back into racing again. I want to get back into it. But now we're in a position we can do it. I want to do proper car, proper racing. And she's like, yeah, okay, that sounds great. And I said, I, but I want to do it properly. I want to be at the Newcastle 500. Mm. And she's like, 
geez. And I'm like, I think I can make it work. I think I've done the maths in my head. I think I've talked to the right people and stuff like that. Aussie racing cars was a dream for me. I've mm. fantasized about them since I was a kid. So like they were always so cool though. Oh, I totally man. understand you on that aspect. Man, I'm I'm die hard against them. Like yeah. last night we came back from dinner and I was watching old Aussie car races. Like just <laughs> addicted to them. You know, like I just love everything about them. They're just yeah. I reckon they're just you know, stuff your NASCAR, stuff your F1, stuff your supercars, Aussie racing cars is where it's at. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> well, that's what Brooks saw. You saw that on social media, didn't you? Oh, yeah. 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 So you heard it here second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you're a, huge, you're a huge advocate of the category. I've got to ask, though, with the community of Aussie race cars, because there's how many drivers? Are there? There's 40 drivers that normally well, turn four, up? 41 entered this year. And the category works very well that if you want to be the person that goes to every round, you can. Yeah. If you want to be the person that comes for the one glory round, like, you know, like you'd always see it. Gold Coast is going to turn up with 46 cars. Yeah. But Winton will get 25. Yeah. Just because it's nothing against Winton, but it's Winton. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's not the Gold Coast. Like, yeah. you know, it's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Comparing chalk and cheese, you know. Yeah, so yeah. it's, um, but I do love a country track. I'm diehard about a country track. But um, yeah, it, the category is supportive in that way that you can be a casual racer. Or you can be the diehard. Yeah, it, it accommodates for both. It's still budget friendly. It's very budget friendly compared to everything else because I know from what we spent this year doing a lot of work. If you went into eighty sixes, it'd be fifty grand more. If you went into super three, like super three, it'd be two hundred and fifty grand more. So our cost plus that, you go into Porsches. Mate, if you haven't got half a million dollars, don't turn up. Yeah, you know, and then you start doing the super two and supercars thing, and that's. Like, I don't know how much money that is. Millions and millions. (laughs) (laughs) But but don't get me wrong. Like I always say it's a bit of horses for courses. You run what you can afford. Don't stretch yourself outside of what you should be allowed to run. We can run Aussies comfortably and we're happy to do it, but it's a lot of hard work. Hmm. We could not go to the next step up without bankrupting people. Yeah, okay. I want a long career in motorsport. I want to be here in 10 years still racing Aussie cars and stuff like that. Like we I've bought so many engines I have to. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like so many cars now and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. It, we see it as something that we can get the best bang for buck, the best events, the best TV time and come out of it at a very reasonable price in comparison yeah. to other categories. Categories below us with no TV time are spending more than us. You know, so when you factor that into it and they get no TVs, no exposure. Like Formula Ford. Yeah. Exactly. Well, well, that's it. That's what yeah. I keep saying to Dan. Yeah. <laughs> well, Formula Ford, like I'm not up to date with the exact costing and stuff like that, but I know there's people that can do a Formula Ford season state level for 20 grand. Yeah. Um, which when you think about it, that is, I think it's great. Yeah. Um, that uh, When you compare the dollars and pounds and stuff like that, still you've got to work hard for it. Yeah. But it's – it's bang for buck racing. It's fun. Thing. It's fun. Yeah, exactly. But you can also spend eighty to hundred grand in the same category. Yeah, you know, quite easily. By the time yeah. you go through two engines, or you go, oh, my engine's like five horsepower down. Let's get it rebuilt. There's another ten grand. Stuff all starts to add up. Yeah. So you you still got to compare yourself to where you sit. Right, race to your budget, not to your ability. Yeah. What I always say. Totally agree. This is a businessman's game. Yeah. You got to play the businessman's game with it if you're going to get into it. Yeah. It's money first, racing second. Yeah, motorsport was always designed to be a sport 
for people that don't like golf, yeah. that have got the money for golf type thing. You, know? you, you even wrote a blog, I think, ages ago on your website about like F1. It was literally a gentleman's class before yeah. it turned into what it is now. Like well, it's way, way back. It still is now when you think about like the strolls and all those type of people. They mm. pay for their spot. Yeah. No one came up to them and said, oh, wow, young bucko stroll, you're looking pretty good. You should drive one of our cars. Yeah. Bullshit. He paid for it. Yeah. They all pay for it. You bought a team. Stroll's <laughs> case, yeah. That's the case with everyone. I know like someone was telling me the other day, Brock Feeney bought his spot. He's paying like nearly a million dollars to race Red Bull. Yeah, right. He, like there's yeah. only probably 10 professional drivers that get paid by the team in Australia. Mm. Mm. The rest of them are all bringing money from outside sources. Lee Holdsworth is a commercial real estate agent. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, like these people have other jobs to offset their racing. Yeah, okay. So, you know, they're, they're exactly the same as you and me. Yeah. Play the game. Yeah. If you're smart, you've got the cash, you get to go to the top. Yeah. Don't be bitter and sour and be the type of person that gets on Facebook and goes, oh, you know, no one would sponsor me and I can't do it. They don't know skill. <laughs> oh, I'm the best driver but no one supports me. <laughs> Mate, you're a shit businessman. Get off the pot. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's what it is. Yeah. You know, so. But you've had, like, this is a good question we've got because we have a lot of people, like you said, either whinging and complaining or there's the ones who are just legitimately like, shit, how do I do this? You've had experience now with building your brand, sponsors. What are, like, maybe, like, one or two things you'd say to people about getting sponsors? Because some people really struggle and don't know what yeah. the hell to do. So probably a, that's a really good one there. On a bit of a back side of me I used to be like the biggest introvert kid yeah I remember like I remember when I got my job at Ford they put me up answering calls for the first three months before they put me on as an apprentice yeah I was that scared of the phone I would do anything not to pick it up because I was just scared someone was going to say something to me on the other side and then I'd have to think of a response look at me go now can't shut me up yeah (laughs) (laughs) um but coming off that, for young kids and stuff, I say to them, mate, start moving your mouth and start making mistakes. Yeah. Start talking. You know, you're acting shy and all this and hiding behind your dad as a 16-year-old and stuff like that. Bullshit. Get in front, shake hands, shake the baby's kiss of hands type yeah, thing or yeah, whatever yeah. way you want it when you do it. Introduce yourself. Get out there because there's absolutely no harm in networking. Mm. People want to support people they like. Yeah. People aren't going to pick you up in sheer talent unless they just feel nice. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to go and sponsor a kid. I and mean, I now run a business and no motorsport back yeah. to the front. I'm not going to sponsor a kid that's shy and timid because he's a shit ambassador for the brand. Mm. I'm going to sponsor someone that's loud and proud. I'm not going to look at their results. I'm going to be looking at the one beating their beating their chest and the drum in the category. Yeah, like everyone's going, oh yeah, he won, but look at him go. Yeah. Like, he's crazy. He's fun. He's yeah. He's doing this. He's he's being out. He's signing posters. He's uh, hanging out with the parents. And he's talking and this. Network, like yeah. it's simple. It's just business. Like if it's anything now, like I know if I had a kid, the first thing I'd do if he really wanted to follow this career, I'd mm. say you need to get your business degree. Mm-hmm. You need to learn how to do business because this is what we're doing in the sport. Yeah, Racing's 50% of it. Yeah. The other 50% is getting people in looking at you. Yeah. And that's how you get it. You, you've also uh, like also got a um like a Foster's merchandise collection, don't you? Oh, baby, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I've just picked up a couple of new things down in the bend for um, the collection. Really? I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to say this right here, right now. If you've got Adelaide Grand Prix Foster's specific merchandise. 
give me a call. Get on the request line here, one eight hundred Foster's merch. <laughs> <laughs> the girls here will be taking the calls. Don't worry, guys. In the here. show notes, we'll have links yeah. to Cody. You'll be able to find get contact him immediately. Yeah. That's it. So you're sitting there like, no, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> My number is. <laughs> how did how did you fall in love? Was it because of the Grand Prix that you fell in love with the Foster's no, brand? Funnily enough, if, me and my stupid mates when we were doing up cars and stuff like that, I think we found Foster's in the back of a bottle shop and we, we bought it like to, for shits and giggles just to be a pest like we yeah. like to do. Still going strong being a pest today. We love it. And we were like, yeah, we'll grab it. And we, we grabbed like one or two or something like that, drank it and gone, oh, it's not actually that bad. We can drink it. <laughs> like, everyone carries on that it's piss. Yeah, it's piss, whatever. I've, I've drunk worse. <laughs> um, it, it just became a bit of a like a, a funny thing between us. So we'd find Fosters and all that type of stuff and drink it on weekends and all that type of stuff to carry on like dickheads. And But then, you know, like – I kind of like, oh, you know, this is cool, but the Foster's branding's actually quite a cool brand. Yeah. And because in the early, like, 80s, 90s, Formula One and all that type of stuff, it was the brand. It was everywhere. It was all over the, you know, the pit garages and wall. They were the actual sponsor of the series. Like, you couldn't, you know, you couldn't put two better brands together, you know, like Mm. the Formula One and Foster's. Like, it must have been a great deal. They were they had other races overseas at Foster's, didn't they? Yeah, so Foster's is a global brand. Well, Foster's is, you know, pommy, but it has its roots in Australia type thing. Yeah. But the same thing, kind of like we were talking about loving our 90s and 2000s stuff. It just brings back that nostalgia yeah. for me. So, um, and now I'm in a position where I can think about collecting stuff. Like, it's cheap, you know. you mm. Like, I, I bought a original Foster's Grand Prix 89 windbreaker. Yeah. Um, off a guy that bought it. He said he bought it from the actual event and gave me the story behind it. It was like a hundred bucks. Man. It looks it looks sick, you know. Like you you're rolling around this retro merchandise and looking like a boss ass, you know, retro driver type thing, even though you look yeah. too young for it. I would have been a kid back then when it was on. But um yeah, like I've just started this little little Foster's collection. People have kind of known and they'll donate stuff or tell me when it's available. I'm starting to get a bit smart with people. It's like, no, 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 this can is worth this much. <laughs> I'm not offering you a cent over that. Yeah. Like I'm starting to tell people what stuff's actually worth in there and stuff. But same way, kind of like the Aussie racing car stuff as well. I collected um, – like I wasn't even around for it, but I found like all these old shirts and passes and all that that I'm just like – I like having, you know, yeah. I like those. You just memories. like the nostalgia part. Yeah, of, yeah. yeah, mate, I love it. Like you wear it around the streets and stuff like that, you know, because mm. I'm, you know, we're 24-7 motorsport and cars. Like mm. that's what I do on my weekends. I love cars. So yeah. I go straight from the workshop fixing cars to racing cars. Yeah. <laughs> People say it burns them out. I love it. It's, it's my life. I'll do it for the rest of my life as well. So, yeah, if you've got stuff, have a talk. <laughs> we'll I want to see what you got, but I'm going to be. I'm going to be. I know what this shit's worth, so don't try and pull the wool over my eyes. Now, now there'll be two stories to this one. How did you meet Ali? How did you meet your girlfriend? How did that all come about? I, I do know. Okay, I, what I do story know you part want to of tell the story. <laughs> there can all be two different stories. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, um, we. So Ali came over on a research grant. Is that what the official word you call it? So, um, she came over. Um, because she was flying around uh, the world. So she got given this research grant to say, he's like 30K American, yeah. piss mm. off for a year, study something, like this, it was like study something, come back after a year and do a 10-minute presentation about it. 
I fucking need it. How's that for a deal? I've been looking for that for years. Yeah, she was she was studying like um, small farming and agriculture. Um, yeah. So she'd go from country to country. Like they weren't allowed back in America as well. That was a rule. Like mm. it had to be. It couldn't be the death of a grandparent. It had to be the death of like your father. Yeah. Right. That you're allowed back. They were that strict. They're like you're not allowed back. Mm. Like, Go to, we don't, go to Canada or Mexico. We don't care. Yeah. But if we find you back in the country, well, you've got to refund us the 30K, which, you yeah, know, right. would some, some people in bankrupt. Yeah. So she she was um, floating around and, you know, hanging out with boys and all that type of stuff. What year and, was this, though? Yeah. That you, that 2016? Six years ago. Yeah, right. Yeah, six yeah. Okay, like wow. That. So, yeah, she's like, Ali's been with me through the whole thing. The journey. Thing, the journey. Yeah, the journey, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I think she's reminded me. She kind of said on the way in there, "says you go back to go karts. That's it. I'm done." <laughs> Weird. That sucked. I'm, I'm not camping in Tamworth. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it. So um, yeah, well, I'd just be like, "Oh yeah, we'll, we'll do what you I do. We'll throw out a tent. You know, we're staying yeah. at Tamworth and then freeze our ass off all night." Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was I was kind of at a pub um one night and she was across the room and. I was, Strutting on over, it's like, hey, watch this, boys. <laughs> Cal Mackay still got it. <laughs> Strutting over, and like, you know, like, because like, I could hear her like a twang of American voice from across the room, like, like it cuts butter that voice. Yeah, like, like for the first couple of years, I had to remind her to like speak quietly because, like, even though she was speaking at the same level. She'd be bitching about some other girl up the other side, upside the other pub. <laughs> I was like, everyone would turn around and be like. Who the fuck said that? A fucking duck man. Like they're talking about. It's like shut up. It's like, it like the the American voices carry. So it's heaps better now. But um, Thanks. yeah. <laughs> so I, I strutted off and I was like, oh yeah, g'day, honey. Yeah. No, there was no honey, but you did say g'day. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> it got yeah, a couple of raised eyebrows. Like, hey, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> g'day. And she's like, hmm, good. You know how I am. We started talking, and then like I think it was like. We started talking heaps after that. And then like a week or two later, she was in my house and like this moved in. And like, <laughs> like because I became. I was a backpacker. Yeah. I, I became her backpacker refuge. Yeah. So because she was staying with someone at the moment, at the moment, um, uh, an older couple and stuff. And she was like, oh, I'm, I'm young, I'm fun. I want to get out with the guys and the girls and all this type of stuff. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, can I come over and I'll cook you dinner and all that type of stuff. And then like she just didn't leave mm. and I was like oh, okay well I didn't mind because I was living in a share house at the time so I was just like it's all right I get dinner cooked for me yeah stuff for you boys so I've got it all here <laughs> see, see what I've achieved here but yeah like she and then like it came the time where she's like oh okay I've got to continue on and I was like oh yeah no worries and a bit of tears and stuff because we came close but we just kept talking and talking and talking like all the time just like at all hours in the middle of the night and everything like that and she's still traveling around um, and she goes, oh, I'm about to finish it up. I, I want to come back to Australia and see you again and all that type of stuff. And we talked and she's like, I, I think I want to make my life here. I think I want to be yeah. here with you and all that type of stuff. And where's so, she from in America? Um, Boston. Boston. Boston, yeah. yeah. With Fan Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> yeah, we saw a Celtics game when we went to Boston. 
Oh, that was yeah. mint, man. That oh, was sick. <laughs> that was the best. <laughs> we had box seats and everything. Our oh, family wow. pulled wow. some tires. Yeah. Holy shit, that was good. <laughs> yeah, Brooke's a huge fan of the Boston Celtics. Oh, yeah. I used to be mad into like, yeah, I don't watch it as much now, but back in my 20s, and that's all I ever watched, yeah. the NBA. Yeah. Well, that's it. And that's like that sport is like the same thing. You can probably relate to this, who is yeah. well, like because – like the only bit of basketball and stuff like that in American sports we get is like, um, you know, Space Jam, something yeah. like that, all those movies and stuff like or, that. Or NBA games on yeah. PlayStation. Oh, yeah, you yeah. play yeah. NBA games on PlayStation. What was it, NBA Jam or something like that on the Sega yeah. or something yeah. like that? It was like he's he's going for three points or something like that. Yeah. Used to say. Um, that was just what we had. So we'd see the ads, we'd see the advertisements, we'd buy the Nike stuff and all that, but we could never see a game because it was on at like 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night. Yeah, we yeah. used to get the NBA pass, I remember, yeah. just to get on there. But like you said, it was always watching everything after, just after because yeah. some of the time frames, you're just like, I can't do this. Oh, <laughs> it's like trying to be an F1 fan in Australia. Like, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Like, oh, man, oh. If there's a yeah. race on it, it goes past 12 o'clock. I'll just watch it on, on Foxtel the next day. Like, it's hard. I tried to do that last night. I fell asleep at 1 a.m. and then oh. realized <laughs> I was in trouble there. Oh, when they've got the sprint races on Saturday and you can stay up on the piss. Oh, it's great. Yeah. It's Sunday. Brooke loves the sprint races, actually. Oh, I absolutely love it. That thing, I'm like, yep, we're in. But other times I'm like, 3 a.m., we're going to go around the track for 100. No, nah, fuck this. Yeah. I'm going to bed. <laughs> Speak the truth, man. Tell us what you really think. <laughs> I'm like, Dan, the next day and I'll put it on there, but I'm like 3am, it'll ruin yeah. my whole next day now. I'm at oh. that age. I can't go past midnight before my whole body clock being off and then I'm just like, I'm done for the yeah. week. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But, um, yeah, so um, we, yeah, we met and we did our thing and um, I forgot what we were talking about again because we've gone on another freaking yeah, tangent. What type of show are you running here? <laughs> show. You know, give, me, give me the freaking list there. I want to see what you're doing. I'm oh, running no, the you show. Can't. You'll see the answers. Oh, no, They've got a can't. game coming up. Okay. Oh, oh no, <laughs> Don't worry, I've had my PO on to you. I have yeah. answer sheet right yeah. <laughs> um, But, yeah, you obviously – you, well, I, the reason I found about Ali a bit about Ali as well is you've gone to America and stuff like that, and you actually were on a like the TV show to find your apartment, weren't you? We're talking oh about yeah, that no, they did it here. So yeah. uh, they uh, House Hunters International. Mm. So um, we just bought our apartment. No, we didn't. Well, no, you can talk about it. Like, go ahead and talk about. What it. are they going to do? Well, you can't fight say, me. You can't say like all the fake stuff. Sweet. <laughs> Fuck it, let's do it. <laughs> not the first person that's tried to sue me. It won't be the last. <laughs> yeah. Ali is also like training to be a, or studying to be a lawyer at the moment. Yeah. So like, and she's very like risk averse and I'm just risk. Like I'm just like, <laughs> let's go for it. Yin and yang, it's yeah. kind of like Brooke and myself. Yeah, exactly know? right. So we work, you work well together. Yeah, yeah. I need her and oh, I don't know if she needs me, but I need her. <laughs> the problem like, is we're too risky. He's driving cars and then people scream at me last week, you broke your arm fighting and I'm just like well fuck <laughs> yeah. I, and then these parents are like well when are you going to stop I go well when Dan stops racing I'll stop the fighting <laughs> just start fighting him yeah. <laughs> take him on you built the shit out of him it'll be good do it I'll watch I'll help <laughs> <laughs> poor Dan he'll just get a car and run me over yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. You, you're big girl now, but yeah. we're not getting my race car. I'll run over you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, with the American TV thing. Yeah, so um, Ali reached out to um, well, she's on this Facebook group of um, like Americans in Australia or something like that. It's just a community group or something. Yeah. And um, one of the guys, uh, one of them put on there, like if you're an um, 
American and you're now living in Australia and you're, you're looking at buying or something like that, we want you on a show, we'll, we'll pay you and stuff like that for the mm. week off and um, let's do it and all this type of stuff. And I was like, okay, well, whatever, four days work, that money sounds good. You know, and I, like the same thing I was thinking, I was like, well, this is probably good like PR and mm. I'm actually getting paid for it. So like stuff it, let's just see where it goes. Does um, it get aired in Australia this show or not? Yeah. Yeah, it, it gets, does. Okay. It, gets aired every, it gets aired everywhere. But we knew when it landed in America mm. because we started getting all these messages on our, like the Facebook pages and all that type of stuff. Like, you know, people were trying to add Ali as a friend and like I was getting requests come through the motorsport social medias yeah. and stuff like that trying to get a verified Instagram yeah <laughs> <laughs> they won't Zucker won't give me the blue tick the prick <laughs> where's me blue tick I think it was like oh you've got to put your phone number it's like, ah fuck that I'm not doing yeah, that yeah you're not me I'm not doing that either. yeah I was like, no, no, stuff you Zucky <laughs> um, but yeah yeah so we'll like uh yeah, we started getting all these messages through and all that type of stuff, like going, oh, well, Cody, you know, we're rooting for you. We thought you would have picked this house, but it didn't go your way. That's so unfortunate and all that type of stuff. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, you know, missed out because you're playing the game and all that type of stuff. Um, and, yeah, we, we knew it landed because we just started getting all these requests and stuff. It was like, oh, you should come to America and do NASCAR and all that type of stuff. Mad. You know, you just did that. Like, this was just people saying what you should do. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, if only they knew how the system works. Like, yeah. You know, someone, like, when Chip Ganassi's not sitting there going, there's this young kid in Australia that was on this daytime TV show that runs a little <laughs> piddly race car around Australian tracks. Let's get him in a seat. Go on, he's going to be cool. <laughs> Piss off. Yeah, so they went made us go through the process of like well, we knew what we were going for but um yeah go through and pick three houses and walk through it and all that type of stuff and mate like it was painful yeah. it's like you walk into one room it's got nothing in it and they're yeah. like all right we want you to talk about the room it's like fucking four walls in a closet and a window yeah. that looks into someone else's apartment I'm like yeah, it's great. And you try acting it on. You kind of go in there the first time going, fuck, and look at this. We've been carrying on. Did they have directors and stuff? Yeah. yeah so okay. it's, um, it was a real small time because, like, you know, we, we've all got this perception that TV is, like, such a big production. Man, there's more cameras and stuff in here than what they were carrying around. This is like yeah, right. They had, like, their three guys, a sound guy, a camera guy, and then, you know, a director or something like that, whoever it was. Yeah. Yeah, girl, girl carry box, you know, box really? girl. Because yeah. I'm so much shorter than Cody. Yeah, if, wow. you, if you look into it, and you, it was literally oh. like a, um, a Kylie Minogue and Tom Cruise moment. Yeah, but, but she's Tom Cruise and I'm Kylie Minogue, like, <laughs> like putting her up on soapboxes for the kissing scenes and all that type of stuff. Wow. But yeah, it was like yeah. the TV world's not that glamorous. So I can tell you what it's painful like we were walking through the same hallway it wasn't like we we're walking through the house and then talking about it and they go yep that's great this is like the same room and i'm like mate we've spent fucking three hours in this room if you don't get a cut now okay like if you can't use any of that fuck yourself like yeah. it's it's a 20 minute show like with ad, like, and then ad breaks are added on with it and we'd sit there and do this one scene and it would take like hours and then they'd show it for like five seconds and yeah. I was like, mate, that was the worst day of the shoot. That sucked. Like, but, yeah. You know, I kind of bitch on it and stuff like that. It was actually cool. It was yeah. good to see what it's like. And same thing, it's all about opening doors and seeing what the experience is like. And then, yeah, yeah going for me. Yeah, they made you look nice. 
face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They made her yeah. look like a bitch. Which <laughs> she goes, they made me look like a bitch. I said, what's the difference, man? Said, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here, all, all like people are like rooting me for Team Cody. Like, yeah, you should have gone that house, but you went the other one, and all that type of stuff. Oh, I can't believe you, Mrs. Didn't let you get the other one. Yeah, like, yeah that's what it These, was. These like old ladies from Kansas being like, we were rooting for you. It's terrible. She didn't let you get the house you wanted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excuse you. People fall into real uh, like the reality TV and have no idea what goes on behind it. I've been, like, I've seen I've been behind and heard from others working in in this in, in that industry and that and it's all scripted and tested and they create villains and this and that but people sitting at home I don't know they fall into that world and they think it's true. It's it's just it blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. I've been on I've been on a few extra sets recently and they did that for like reality TV. I was just like a, oh, I can't say it but yeah, similar to similar to you guys, but I was on a set and they made us starve to See how much anger, just to see how angry we yeah, get. Yeah, they, they do. Yeah. They, they fuck with you. Yeah. You know, to put it totally bluntly on yeah, stuff yeah. like that. But, um, yeah, Ali, thanks for making me not live my dream and picking that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bitch. Yeah, bitch. yeah, just whatever. Um, we'll talk about it in the car ride home. I'm not so happy. Oh, my God. Just trying to trying to fly, you know. You're just bringing me back down again. You <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're too hilarious. Uh, um, so back to motorsport because this yeah. is the motorsport podcast. Yeah, what do you what's think? The shit show we're running. What, what, Come on, man. <laughs> what do you think of the landscape in motorsport at the moment? Is there too many classes? Would you change anything? Mm. If like if you were the boss for the day, would you change anything in motorsport Australia? Or if you were the boss for supercars, you know what I mean? Yeah. If you had that choice right now, like. Someone handed you a job. Yeah. What would you do to change the landscape Look, of motorsport? It, it's looking at looking at all motorsport in a business sense of view. So looking at how to profit and how to lose and all that type of stuff. Um, everyone's going to come on this show or talk about it. Oh, they need to make it more available. They need to cut categories. They need to make the young rising stars and all that type of stuff. It's all bullshit. It's not how the sport works. I don't care who you are. If you don't like it, go race something else. Go race bloody Billy Carts in Zimbabwe or something like that. It's yeah. not my problem. <laughs> um, it, there's the the major thing and the biggest biggest problem I see with motorsport, especially at the, the higher level, and now that we're getting – less fans turn up at tracks, not not watching the sport. They're mm. watching the sport. They're watching it through KO. They're watching it through Fox and free-to-air and all that type of stuff, but they're not at the track. They need to make it more affordable for the fans, like 100 to $150 for per person for a ticket to get into a supercars event. Now, when you kind of break it down, some of these people that are coming in might be bringing in $4,000 as a couple, um, that like $1,000 each or something like that or $1,000 between them, one might not work, one might work and stuff like that. So when you pull out, you know, their mortgage expenses and all that type of stuff and we use the four grand model as an example, when you've got the four of them, they want to go to a major event. Well, hold on, it's like 400, 500 bucks in tickets. That's like half a week's wage for these people. And they save up their money just to get the experience to see Jamie Winkup or Peter Brock or whoever driver mm. is driving around. I don't know. I'm too busy doing my own stuff. Yeah. Cody Mackay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they save up a heap of money to get in there. Yeah. Um, and then there's the extra things. Oh, you want to get in the grandstand? You got to pay this. You want to? You want to get a hot dog? Like a bought a yeah. pizza for like twenty bucks. Yeah, you know, yeah. V8 pizza or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Frozen pizza. Yeah. twenty bucks. Because yeah. I always eat like a pig after like my last race because I don't drink during racing yeah. um, to do that. But <laughs> But it's becoming unaffordable for mm. the general punter to get into a track. 
Yeah. And that's what's direct, directly affecting numbers. And people that sit on the outside of the fence look at an event as per the numbers sitting in the grandstands. Like you shouldn't have to be a small business owner to afford to take your family to these events. Mm. Like back in the day, it was the only thing you've seen and they might have been able to get away with a high price, a $100 ticket and then, you know, the merchandise and stuff like that because that's what you've seen. Like the V8s are coming to town. We're going to be there. Now they go, well, it could be racing next door to them. You know, but the coverage is better on TV and I've paid my 15 bucks a month for whatever streaming service is on. Yeah. Why not watch it there? And then I don't have to buy an 8 to $10 beer. And then I don't have to worry about the kids wanting to buy, like, what's a jacket, a merchandise jacket work like? 90 yeah. to 100 like They're a like t- very expensive. Yeah, like a T-shirt's like 70, 80 bucks. Yeah. We all know how much it costs to make a T-shirt. And, yes, their team should be profiting from their merchandise. There's no doubt about it. But make it obtainable to people and the people will come back. Mm. You know, you go into a footy game, it's great, it's three hours worth of entertainment, it's like 20 bucks for a ticket for the average punter to stand on the hill. Like Newcastle Stadium's like six bucks beers. Yeah. Like it's cheaper to drink there than the pub before we get there. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, if we get tickets, we're like, boom, I'll go in, buy four mid-strength. I drink mid-strength anyway, so I don't care what people think about me. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And it's like, we'll go there and, like buy eight beers. Yeah. And it costs us less than, you know, six bucks a beer. Yeah. It's obtainable. It's cheap. It's that's what gets people in. And from that, you've got those people in the door. Then they'll start buying your merchandise because they've got money to afford it. Then they'll put their kids in their shirts. Then you'll get fans coming in and experiencing it. Because don't get me wrong, if we haven't got fans in motorsport, the level we're running, there will be no sponsors. Mm. And if there's no sponsors, there's no sport. Yeah. It runs off sponsorship. Yeah. Totally. It's also the the experience, like you said, because what I said to Dan, I'm noticing like a lot of other sports are putting in, like NRL or even the motocross, everyone, they're putting experience together. So you go yeah. there, there's not just the sport and the event, but there's food, there's music entertainment. Yeah. And you're tying together industries that all need to help each other also pass COVID. Yeah. But you don't get that out of the motorsports that I'm noticing down at Supercars that you want a heavy ticket. And then like you said, you get in there and there's – you struggle to find food. You struggle to do a lot of things. And I think yeah. they're not making that experience easy, but people want to come and watch. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's one thing we'll sit in at Sandown and you, um, the big grandstand at Sandown. Like Sandown, as much as I had a shit weekend, is a ball tear of a track. Mm. Like, man, if they lose that track, it'll be a, a very dark day in motorsport world because that is just a fantastic experience. Yeah. It's like but, a street circuit, but a permanent yeah, circuit. It's amazing. That, that's it. High speed, like real tight corners, plenty of passing opportunities. From the grandstand, you can see 90% of the track. Mm. It's only the last corner that you can't see, and then you get to see the rest of it. So you can map a whole race out sitting in the grandstand. But then again, it's extra money to get into the pits to see your drivers in the pits. Yeah. It's extra money to sit in the grandstand. So the grandstand was bare. And all the punters that didn't want to buy the ticket was sitting in front of the grandstand. Yeah. Sitting in the rain and stuff like that. Because you looked at the people and gone, they've worked hard to save up a heap of money to just be there. Mm. Like, and we are so thankful for the ones that do turn up. You know, we go out of our way to give posters and hats and all this type of stuff away to make sure that, hey, we're here. Thank you for coming in. We yeah. really do appreciate it. And but most people go, well, we don't want to spend that extra money because an extra 20 bucks is fuel home. Yeah. You know, this is all important things. People in the motorsport world get too, you know, narrow-minded about expenses and all that type of stuff and the millions of dollars it is to run a car and all that type of stuff. They they don't even see what it's like for the punter on the field. Mm. And that that's where it's going to turn it into a major thing. And that's where, 
you know, Cochrane and all that type of stuff, like did an amazing job of making V8 supercars, V8 supercars, or yeah. motorsport in Australia, what known what it is now, because he's a promoter. Mm. He came from a, um, a background of um, – uh, what you call it, um, bringing like John Farnham and Frank Sinatra yeah, and all that type right. of stuff. Entertainment, uh, uh, entertainment. Yeah, yeah, that's it, sorry. That's what he thinks. So he knew how to market it. He knew how to bring people in and make it a promoter. He was the one that made drivers get actually paid to be there because they're the show. Yeah. You know, it's – That's how we – like us as motorsport fans, as kids, remember Peter Brock, Larry Perkins, yeah. Dick Johnson because yeah. he he helped make that. Well, that's it. They made the characters. I think yeah. it was Mike Raymond who used to nickname him all that type of stuff. Yeah. If they didn't have that, they were just normal punters that race racing cars around. Yeah. You know, there's nothing special about them. Like, there is special things about them and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, they were still the same people having a beer in the back of the trail on the way home and trying to figure it out how to get home and yeah. get a pay and all that type of stuff. So, yeah, it's um, it, it's one thing that we want to see people back. We want to see people at events. We need in this modern-day era to find ways of dragging people in the gates. Yeah. You know, like get them in cheap and then sell stuff when you're in there. Mm. Like. Sprint Cars does it well, Speedway. Sprint Cars is a model mm. that every motorsport should follow. Yeah. The drivers get paid. Um, mm. I know, you know, coming down to it, it was a Bob Jane tried to do it and unfortunately fell on his ass. Yeah. Because too many people relied on Bob to pay the bill, yeah. trying to get the Thunderdome all up and going and stuff. But Sprint Cars, they'll pay travel money mm. to get you in. So say you're out of state, and this is even at grassroots level, mm. um, Speedway because they're trying to promote an event, they'll pay, you know, for you to get there and offset your fees and all that type yeah, of stuff. Yeah, turn up fee. Yeah, turn yeah. up fee, um, travel fee or whatever you yeah. want to call then it. Then you get points in the championship because you turned up. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. So they make it worthwhile. You know Paramount Speedway. I haven't been to the new one yet. Um, mm. And I'm, I'm keen to go because I ran a couple of times around there in a legend car. Mate, it was just, didn't matter what night it was, people were coming out of the woodwork addicted to sprint cars. Yeah. They loved it. I thought it was a thing in the nineties. It never died. Mm. There, people, like you can walk in there for what's the ticket to get in the speedway? Like twenty bucks. Twenty bucks. Yeah. What's a beer there? Six, Six seven yeah, bucks for the same as a football. Well, holy shit, guys! Let's have a think about this. Why are they filling stadiums every weekend, week in, week out? Yeah, yeah. they had so much. I will say that even the new one when we went there, there's decent. Like you can find plenty of food trucks, everything. They yeah. get them all to come up. There's so many. I said to Dan when we were at that time supercars, I was like, there's like one thing that was open there and yeah. there was like one truck. I was like, where the hell is there anywhere to get a drink here or food? Whereas these guys just had everything rolling up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly right. They're, you'll like that new speedway, by the way. It is actually yeah. pretty cool. It is? Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Right, let's go. <laughs> where are we going? We'll definitely meet you there though because you'll come from Newcastle. We'll go. We'll meet you at the track though. That's 100%. No, pick me up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not driving. I'm drinking. <laughs> um, but yeah, you'll enjoy it. Yeah, it's that, that, and that's it. Like I, I'm, I'm definitely not a sprint car person. Mm. I, I really appreciate it. Like the Bogan heart of me absolutely loves it. It's not our cup of tea, but man, they've got it right. Mm. They know what they're doing. They can manage it. They can put the punters in there. They can get people spending money. Mm. The problem is with every one of the higher levels, especially F1, is like a major example of this. Mm. People are still rolling up, so they've got a product. They can, they can literally, you know. Ben, burn the candle at both sides type thing. Yeah. But they can, you know, supercars are starting to see that, well, you know, are people turning up? Is it too expensive? Yes, it is the best motor racing in Australia, but hold on, people have now got a voice, they're complaining, they're, they're voting with their feet type thing. And they, they could really make it where it's an actual 
really, really great products. Mm. You know, we don't, we don't get any discounts from race entry. Mm. Like they charge us an absolute freaking fortune to be there. I'm pretty yeah. much the guy that's bought the, the best VIP experience mm. in, in motorsport because I go there and pay the fees. I go there and do all the, the shit we got to do and set up and race and all that type of stuff. Yeah. When you think about it, someone could probably come up with the same amount of money and go, oh, I don't want to be in the corporate box. I want to be on the track. All right, Billy, have a go. You got your money? Yep, no worries. Just off yeah. you go. He gets to bang around with everyone else. So, yeah. you know, it's that that's the one thing I, I really want to see. And this is me coming from, you know, a broke-ass mechanic mm. um, to finally running where I am now. We need – I want everyone involved. Yeah. You know, treat it how it should be. Let people come to the races and fantasize that they wish they were a driver. That's what we want. Totally agree. Before we end this podcast, as Brooke hinted before, we have oh, we have got started. a game. We have got a game. Oh, <laughs> uh, here we go. <laughs> um, oh, actually, you know what? Before we get on to that, I'll give you one more thing because it is, it is it is a nice thing to know for the fans who listen to you and follow you and stuff. What's your goals? Obviously, you're coming from like you, you're not – you know, you want to get to the supercars game, but do you just want for your racing goals to go somewhere with it or? Yeah, like it's – my goals are open. We've, we've got to keep what we're trying to achieve at an achievable level type thing. Mm. I, I'm further forward than what I ever thought. Yeah. Like racing the category that I absolutely love at the biggest events that I love is just the best experience I've ever had in my life. I want to keep going at this. Uh, if I stayed in Aussie cars for five to ten years, mm. no problem with that. I want to win a championship in it. That's what I want to achieve. Yeah. I've, I bought the equipment. I've got the cars. I've got, I'm starting to get the know-how. That's what we want to achieve. If, don't get me wrong, if an opportunity entered itself in Porsche mm. and I could get the funds together, I would do it. But I wouldn't sink 10 years' worth of money into one year to go racing the Porsche and said that I did it type Yeah. Thing, you know, like even – I totally know, see your point there. We've looked at other categories, you know, like Touring Car Masters and all that type of stuff, and we're going, well, it's achievable – but at what cost? Mm. Because I don't want to be another driver that said, yeah, I did it, I went far, then I fell on my ass, I ran out of money, so I had to go back down and I'm not going back down. Yeah. How was your experience in the Touring Car Master, by the way? Freaking hell. <laughs> it was that good. I was sitting there at the bed that night and my feet were like subconsciously driving that car. Like I was flicking the pedal and downshifting and heel and towing and all that type of stuff while I was laying in bed because I had that much of a buzz driving that absolute monster. Yeah. Like, it, man, sex on wheels, man. Freaking <laughs> hell. Best fun you can have with your pants on. Man, I'll throw out take my pants off after it. It was great. Like, like that, That like um, Jim Polisina, uh, I was able to get a drive with him because like, mm. we are trying to get the Newcastle before that got canned yeah. um, and the Aussie cars weren't selected for it, so I had to get into something for that race. But, yeah, I was, like, shitting myself but also became very comfortable with the car as well. That car is should be winning every single Touring Car Masters race. Yeah. Like, we – the setup we had into it, so we had the, the tyres on it from the Bathurst round. I think the gearing was a bit off or it wasn't the right gearing for the track because they can run all different gearing and stuff like that. There was a few things that was pretty much like, you want to go, well, here's the car. We're not going to change it for you. Yeah. Go do your thing and – you know, I was impressed, you know, with the car, we were still doing, like I checked the times of what the last race meeting they ran there and I was good enough to put it on like the second row. Shit, that's um, good. That's really good. Yeah, so I think it was like the race, oh, and race pace was bang on. Mm. Like it was perfect race pace type yeah. thing. Was it yeah. stick shift or sequential? Uh, four speed box. Four, so oh, okay. Box, so, yeah, right, um, like a former Ford. Yeah, so you just, like you just, same as like an Aussie car. Yeah. Like 
this is one thing I realised and a few people came up to me and said it. They've gone, um, well, if he can race an Aussie car, he can race one of these. Yeah. Because racing Aussie cars are literally like the worst and best race car ever made. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're slippery. They move underneath you. They're understeering. They're oversteering. There's too much power. There's not enough power. What gear are you in? What are you doing? You're flicking through everything trying to keep up. So when you jump in another car that's more suited to be a race car, it's like driving a lounge chair. Yeah. It's perfect, you know. Like you're not ragging the guts out of it. You're letting the car come to you. You're working it around. You, yeah. you can bounce it off curbs and do this. And you're driving doesn't... a proper tin top essentially because yeah. Aussie race cars, Formula Fords are like like race cars. But oh. they're, they're like – they're a bit more comfier, these these yeah. cars. Well, that's it. You know, they've become – well, what <laughs> – what what Gen Three is trying to do now, like yeah. you know, unsettle the cars to make the racing interesting. Well, we haven't changed; we've kept the same thing. Yes, there's def- obviously different things in a new car than an old car, hmm. but you know, I think what was it? I was racing for eleven foot sand out the one race that the car didn't fucking shit itself, hmm. um, and we come three wide over the line for eleventh between eleventh to fourteenth, and we were all split by a point. Zero zero five of a second. Yeah, like right. something stupid. That's fun. Like, That's fun though. Like, and it was like over the line. Someone was running me wide. I'm going to run him wide. No, I'm going to get this. Like one got up on two wheels. It was like literally like all happening at once. And that's what you see all the time because they keep them so competitive and close. And mm. that's why people go to the gate. That's why we're like the top three or top four best support category is voted. Yeah, again each year because. It's fun to watch. Exactly. We're short, sharp, fun racing. Mm. But, yeah, that TCM, Jim, yeah. you can let me run it again, please. <laughs> please. <laughs> that, uh, that, yeah. that was a ball, yeah, ball terror car. Yeah. That's amazing. That's that's awesome. Um, so, yeah, as I was saying, we're going to get to this game. Lovely. Um, as Brooke hinted to before, why you couldn't steal my sheath. <laughs> now, oh, I'm not a cheater now, around here. <laughs> yeah, it's, You're running illegal engines. It's pretty it's, it's pretty decent, this game, right? You will get a prize oh, at, at the end it? of the – you will get either a, a – what is it, Brooke? A, like a – like a crappy prize or a good one? I, I, yeah, but having met Cody now and, you know. Yeah, you either get a decent it, prize or a bogey prize. wouldn't be surprised. I think one of those so-called bogey prizes he might enjoy. I'm, so. I'm actually yeah. looking around the rooms like, oh, there's yeah. a nice TV there. I can sell that. That's, <laughs> that one, that prize. Oh, I need a new helmet. I'll grab this one off the stand. I think he had it like no, Senna's helmet around or something like that. I'll, I'll take that. Look, can you let me like there's, pick, there's, pick there's, one thing from the shop to there. take home with me? <laughs> pick one souvenir. There's, there's, there's a few amazing prizes but anyway um it's pretty easy the game's called true or false mm. right and you just literally it's ma- mainly motorsport facts or to do with your like life okay. right these questions are easy dan these questions are quite easy so <laughs> you should be able to give me a prize and i can piss off all, all, you, all you need to get is three of the ones correct and then you get a decent prize hold on are they about me or, or what's no, no, like, no, I was saying, no, like, no no shouldn't i be giving the answers <laughs> <laughs> like, this is my this is my test <laughs> Um, so the first one, true or false, did Peter Brock win the Bathurst 1000 nine times? That's a trick question. No, it's not. No, is it, it is. Is it? Because you think about it. Oh, yeah, because of the 24 hour. Okay, take away the 24 hour. He's won. Uh, well, yeah, it's, let's, let's go true for the for everyone. So, yeah, yeah true. We'll, we'll call it true. But What's on, your take on it, actually? No, well, we- well, don't forget, you know, he won like six, but then he jumped in, you know, 
second or six or seven or something like that. And then yeah. he jumped in a few other people's cars, didn't oh, he? Oh, yeah, you're yeah, right. So uh, you he, do have points here. Yeah, so that's it. Do I get two points for that? Yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> right. negotiating here. Um the second one is uh because you're from the Newcastle area, I thought yeah, I asked this. Newcastle. Did the Newcastle Knights win the NRL Premiership or ARL Premiership back in 1998? No. Good. False. There we go. Good. What was the year? 97 and Correct. Okay. You you smashed that one. That's good. (laughs) I was going to call you out. I was like, mate, if you don't know this one from Newcastle. (laughs) Seriously, if I didn't answer that correctly, I wouldn't be allowed past the gates into Newcastle. I would have been shunned off. (laughs) Um, Here's another one. Did Tom Heyman win the Rookie of the Year in the ARC Championship Aussie Race Cars? False. False. Who won it? <laughs> so a little turd made him on. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. L Ward. Yes, he did. That's cor- that's correct. That's so, rigged. Yeah, yeah it was absolutely rigged. I re- uh, Lockie shouldn't win anything. I don't want him around it. I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. He deserves it. He, he so does deserve it. Uh, the halfway point, Cody, you are going to win a decent prize. You just need to get the last three, which are very, very hard and complicated, mm, right? Okay. Just like me. True or false, is your partner American? Actually, I've never questioned this with you. I haven't seen a passport or anything. <laughs> Have you Just been- $30,000 and out she comes. <laughs> yeah, and then I- she got kicked out of the country, remember, and couldn't come back. Yeah, you never yeah. questioned that. Yeah. Well, your parents, were they just paid actors? <laughs> <laughs> cut, cut the quiff. I need to say yeah. It's true. That's it's true. true. So, yeah, there you go. That was an easy one. Okay, the next one. Um, is the Newcastle Street Circuit coming back in 2023? True. There we go. Okay, you've literally got one more to answer. I know because okay. all my sponsors are bugging now, me about it. <laughs> now, this is the hardest one. Did you finish ninth in the championship this year? True, buddy. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> got to end it on a positive note. Now, why I go to, oh, I go to my bag. Get the phone on. Get the while, while I go to my bag for a prize. <laughs> reach, in, reach deep in that Brooke bag. Brooke can entertain mate. the audience while I do. Oh, okay. uh, Dan's looking, everybody. i got to tell everyone on, you know, on Spotify and Apple, wherever you're listening, what he's up to over, you know, in, in that bag of tricks of his. <sighs> do you like caramel? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There yeah. he goes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for the trip home. So I'm on, my, I'm on my fat week this week because of, um, oh, yeah. Look at this with the camera. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on my fat week this week because, like, I'm usually I, – I trained a heap to drop a heap of weight for the racing season and that. Yep. And I was just like, as soon as I get, like, past it, I still want to lose more weight. But I was mm-hmm. like, as soon as I finish the last round, like, just beers and schnitzels and pizzas and – like we had like three dinners last night. My my go to is Five Guys, which I saw you guys comment yeah. on Facebook. Oh, yeah. this one he's dedicated. Oh, I am a dedicated fan to Five Guys. Yeah, if you're listening, Five Guys. Did you like it, Cody, or not? That's <laughs> all right. It's all right. Oh, it's, uh, yes. It Where we come back from? We oh yeah, we came back from the bend. Yeah. And um, Ali's like, oh, I'm hungry. Oh, this is this, this. And we we're in the CBD, and um, she goes, oh, there's a Five Guys, and let's stop there on the way. Out because we had to come from the CBD out. I was like, all right, we can probably, you know, typical like country kid, mm. like, oh yeah, we'll just pull up on the side of the road and mosey on out, and you know, <laughs> like in the parking spot next to it. Yeah, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's not going to happen because it's up like George Street. It is, it and is. George Street's now a tram track, so yeah. like you can't. So like Uber, well, not the Uber, the bloody Google yeah. Maps is like turn left. It was like I can't turn. Left. <laughs> so like she jumps out, and I've done like three circles, five circles of the whole CBD. I think yeah. I copped up like two tolls or something like that while I was waiting for her just to get this food, and she like 
plonks it on my lap. I'm shoving it in my face and away. I was like, oh, it's all right. It's all right, I don't yeah. know if it's worth the stress, yeah. but Alice is like, this is the best thing I've ever had. <laughs> starts crying like in America. American. I did. I was crying in America, and I was like, it smelled like America in there. Oh, it's and great. And it tasted like America. But the funny thing, though, remember that weekend? So that weekend, Cody placed 13th. Yeah. In like every single every session. Every single session. Wow. He couldn't get out of 13th. He kept, like, kept getting in 13th. So I go into five guys. I make my order. I look down at the receipt. 13 in. 13. 13. Oh, no. Oh. We, we even on the Sunday night, the room number was 13. 13. <laughs> no like, way. It, was, like, it wasn't a bad weekend. We yeah. thought we did really well in an old car. We were like punching. But it was like race one, 13th, race two, 13th, race three, 13th. And then like cross the line, fourth, and like over to a mechanic. What do we do? What do we do? How we go? And he's like, you're not going to believe it. And I was like, fuck off, man. <laughs> like, I can't believe it. Like every race was his 13th. And then like to make it worse, we finished 14th for the weekend. Yeah. It was like, how does that work? We finished 13th. And it was like, oh, one car finished above us and then like behind yeah. us and yeah. all that type of stuff. Well, so. well, dude, I'm fucking wrapped that you came on this podcast, eh? I'm wrapped you, me, man. I, I've been you are excited. literally, I told this to Brooke off air, you are one hell of a character. <laughs> and if there's anyone that remembers anyone in Aussie race cars, despite Lachlan Ward coming on the episode, earlier episodes, yeah, you're in. the man who actually like, promotes the category. Yeah. Like, well, you're the man. That's why I wanted you on here because yeah. you were just you I'm were actually waiting, entertainment. To, um, waiting for, I think it's like Brad Ward to have – Pay my invoice for all the promoting of Aussie cars I do. <laughs> He's probably waiting for me to pay an invoice. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that splitter I ordered about a week ago. But, nah, man, it's I, I bang on about it because I absolutely love it with all my heart. I'm I'm dedicated. I mean, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm, I absolutely love it. Um, best bang for buck racing, you know, anywhere in Australia. Where can you race all the races we did in a COVID after year yeah. with supercar categories for such a – you know, well-off price. Mm. People spend that money to run everything else. So, yeah, mate, absolutely love it. Cheers, dude. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of On the Couch with Hooli. Make sure to subscribe to our show so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. And to help us grow, please leave a rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. For extra content, check out our YouTube and social channels. You can find all the links in the show notes. See you next week.